Actually, would be, hold on, let's just open it up on YouTube. I want to say good morning. Sabaho, everybody. <laughs> I uh, We are live. We are live. Good morning. Uh, sabaho. Hey, Sabaho from the UK. Okay, good morning. Good morning. Uh, so, hey, 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 Joe. Welcome back. Welcome back, guys. Hey, guys. Welcome. A happy Saturday, uh, Saturday, June 20th, uh, 2020, the official start of summer. That not not by any means planned on my behalf or on my side, um, but I wanted to kind of, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely, dude. Um, I wanted to say good morning, welcome back. Let me go ahead and just share this real quick on YouTube. And I, actually, not on YouTube. Actually, it was slow down. Yep, no, TK, don't share it directly here. So we're gonna share it over on Twitter, if I'm not mistaken. Here, so good morning. And we'll tweet that over there as it's already actually broadcasting to YouTube. So let's go ahead and actually uh, minimize this. And I'm going to go open up StreamYard. Uh, Sabaho, welcome back to the channel, everybody. Uh, we have Joey in the comments as well. Uh, <laughs> uh, good morning. Hey, man. Wow. We got, okay. We're getting, we're getting, we're getting, we're getting started. Good. I um, hope you guys are doing well. I, I hope you guys had a good week. Uh, it was uh, somewhat not not a very eventful week when it comes to like super tech news kind of things, like a lot of things going on. We saw some a couple of announcements this week from uh, well, one announcement really from uh, HCC coming back with mid range devices in 2020. Uh, um, and uh, for the most part, other than that, I think the, the biggest thing that was going on kind of I saw was obviously that there was an Android 11, well, Android 11 beta 1.5. And the reason it's a 0.5 update, not a full update is because they wanted to fix a big problem that was going on with Android 11 beta 1. Um, and if you haven't had a chance to use Android 11 beta 1 right now, it currently is available on a few devices, not just Pixel devices. So um, Pixel devices received it last week on, the, uh, uh, on Wednesday. And I think that was... If I'm not mistaken, I don't want to quote the wrong date so that I don't sound bad. So that was on the on the 10th. Uh, that was officially announced. It was supposed to be on the 3rd of June and then it was made available on the 10th for Pixel devices. And then, um, you know, about a day later, I want to say OnePlus released their first uh, beta one. So that was also available. It wasn't a fully functional one when it still isn't really a fully functional beta for us to basically say that this is like a daily driver type. This is their first offering. This is the literally like the, I would say, build zero of uh, the main requirement for that build essentially is to, to say we have the base of Android 11 beta in here and we're building on it. We're starting to customize it to bring in Oxygen OS customizations as well as Android 11 customizations. Uh, now, that was followed a few days later by Xiaomi for the Mi 10 and the Mi 10 Pro. So we kind of talked about it last Saturday. We, were, uh, we are anticipating basically a lot more manufacturers, specifically, um, you, you know, like I would say, sort of Xiaomi for the Mi 10. And I love when I have a lot of devices, but I have no idea where they are. So as you guys know, the Mi 10 and the Mi 10 Pro both have an Android 11 beta built. And I thought I had my one. Ah, you know what? When you're charging a phone, you don't really realize it. And of course, we know that Oppo is also going to be releasing it because they also made an announcement about it. But current, currently on the market, the only two that have released it other than Pixel line of devices uh, are basically Xiaomi as well as uh, OnePlus. Uh, Oppo hasn't released it yet. And uh, my understanding is from what we saw with Xiaomi is that the Poco F2 Pro will also receive it as well. So they're releasing it for different devices, but currently only the Mi 10. So this is obviously is the uh, Find X2 Pro. Uh, but let's, uh, let's check back real quick and see who we have in the stream here. I'm going to bring you guys to the big screen. Uh, I, I want to make sure that I, I'm able to make sure 
uh, Altona. Oh, hey, welcome, welcome back. Watching from Altona, PA. Uh, <laughs> oh man, welcome, man. We got we got a lot of people coming in all over the place. Welcome back. Um, oops, sorry. I brought I brought the window. I brought the window wrong. So there's another thing that I'm also doing this week that is a little bit different. Um, I'm trying a little bit of a, a little tweak that I'm hoping. I'm hoping will actually provide me a much smoother experience when it comes to this live stream. If you guys have been here with us on the show, we've had a few technical problems going on, not production style, but more, I would say, throughput or even consistency in throughput. That's the best way to describe it. Uh, but yeah, so uh, again, mostly what's going on this week. What we, I also, yes, uh, surprisingly, um, and you guys probably already saw it with the thumbnail, the P40 Pro Plus, not just the standard P40 Pro, which... You know, I've had for some time, and I did a kind of a, a little bit of content on that one. We'll talk a little bit about those two devices. Uh, they are they're very similar when it comes to aesthetics, as far as the, some some of the exterior aesthetics, uh, aesthetics. Um, but there's actually quite a, quite enough of a difference between the two to justify kind of considering them as separate devices. And we'll talk a lot of, a little bit about my about them. Uh, and I've been using the P40 Pro Plus for a few days now. Uh, I'm getting ready to put a video out over on um, actually. Uh, just kind of recapping the impressions, the differences. The is it something that is worth picking over the P40 Pro? Uh, and of course, the the fast charging. It supports 40 watt uh, wireless charging. That's the fastest we can actually even point to at this point uh, with a supported charger. So uh, there's that. And uh, one thing that I also wanted to kind of talk to you guys. I posted a um, a couple of videos this week. Uh, the first video obviously was my version of a review. Uh, I've done enough videos on the uh, on the Xperia One Mark II that I felt like you know doing just the standard going through and reiterating the specs isn't the type of video that I'd like to do. Uh, first and foremost, I do want to mention that uh, some of the videos that I've done complement a lot of the videos that Juan Carlos has been doing on his channel. So if you guys haven't had a chance to check it out, check out please uh, Juan Carlos Bagnell, uh, great buddy of mine, and runs basically. I think if you can you can find them either as Juan Carlos Bagnell or some gadget guy on all the socials. Um, he's obviously, if you check it up on, under my about page, he's also one of the link channels uh, as he is a great friend. Um, yesterday he received his LG Velvet. Um, so that was a big surprise there. Very nice, customized, very unique box. So check that out as well. He posted it. Uh, but you know, the, the review that I wanted to post was basically my impressions of the device and how some of his videos complement this. Where he he did a deep dive on the audio. He did he did a little bit of more deep dive on his, uh, you know, the things that mattered more to him for the camera. Uh, for me, I focused mostly on performance when it came to gaming, uh, aesthetics, battery life, first and things to do. So I did my slew of videos, and unfortunately, as you guys know, uh, I don't actually have the device anymore. I had to return it back to Sony, and I'm waiting on hardware uh, or on my, on when the hardware will start shipping in the U.S. So speaking of shipping, you guys saw that in the title. Um, Sony has somehow a staggered release where I think Japan was first and um, apparently Europe is now. So Europe will start receiving hardware. And the reason I say this, let's go ahead and bring in um, here. So over on the, uh, the Xperia subreddit, uh, and let me double check real quick here. Uh, well, I'll, you know, I'll get back to some of those questions real quick, but let me just share with you guys real quick here. So here's the Xperia subreddit. So we're starting to see some people actually receiving their Xperia 1 Mark II. Like this gentleman right here is basically saying, my first Sony Xperia today, Xperia 1 II. Please help me learn Cinema Pro. Clearly, I don't know <laughs> what I'm doing. Uh, looks like no matter what I what I adjust, anything in there. So they want to basically see more content on how to use Cinema Pro. So that's actually a good 
um, good uh, title. That may I may actually be able to d jump into that since um, Cinema Pro as an application is available in both the Xperia One, Xperia Five, and of course the Xperia One Mark II. Uh, the difference or the new app that was mostly added with uh, Cinema Pro did get updated a little bit. I'll take that back. There's a few more. The, the the controls are slightly different, but the core function of the app is pretty much the same. Uh, cinema uh, camera, cinema, uh, sorry, Camera Pro is uh, only available on the Xperia One Mark II, and we'll talk a little bit about that. But again, uh, ordering one in Australia, there's uh, again, short answer is the European market is starting to receive the Xperia One Mark II, uh, and the US uh, unfortunately will not see it till and the end of July. But pre-orders are still there, uh, and I think if I'm not mistaken, I think uh, Europe is also getting the purple one, and I think somebody commented on that from last uh, last video as well. Sabaho, Ellen, Ellen. Let's see here real quick. Uh, so, how Sony Xperia sales are, are going on right now? So, uh, to kind of answer your question, um, Himanshu, uh, it's actually so far not that bad. Uh, the pre sales are starting to ship out in Europe. Uh, and I know at least from the people that follow Sony that are really, you know, fans of the Sony brand as well, as well as the fan, fans of the Sony, uh, you know, optics, the alpha optics, uh, you know, uh, just the methodology, the, the color process, the color science. Um, they're, you know, they're definitely buying into it. It's a very slow, I would say uh, the, we haven't seen any official numbers, you know, coming out because sales haven't really started. Most people are doing pre-sales. They're not actually selling them. So till the units start shipping, Sony can't count those as sales because the pre-sale doesn't actually send the money to Sony. It basically just sends, holds it at the actual retailers. Uh, till those units ship. So the short answer is uh, a little too early to say, uh, but I'm definitely excited to see that we're seeing some the devices starting to move. Uh, so, yeah, exactly. For for Joey B, exactly. The EU, UK, and Hong Kong are not available. So if you're picking it up or if you're thinking about importing it, so I've, I've been really tempted about importing the device uh, over to the U, uh, to the US. Um, my thing, I think what what I really, really wanted, I know at least the US market is only going to get the, the, the black one. So the European market is receiving uh, the purple one and the black one. And I think the Asian market is this one that's receiving all three colors. So correct me if I'm not uh, if I'm wrong, Joey, is is the white one available in Hong Kong or is it just available in, uh, in Japan from what I've seen before? Um, O2 UK has a two week delivery wait uh, as it currently sold out. Yeah, see? Uh, sorry. Uh, so IR uh, 1980, uh, again, uh, you know, it's not that it was available in a lot of different places, but the people that did find out about it and obviously are big fans of it are able to get it. And it seems like in Europe, they're able to get you a much better deal than buying it outright. So there's some promotions with carriers like O2, an example with, in the UK. Uh, and there are certain situations where you're able to get it as low as about 600 uh, UK, I think sorry, 600 pounds in the UK. So considering the fact that, you know, in the US, we don't have any carrier uh any carrier relationship uh, as of yet. And I say that because there's a possibility that the pro will have it. Uh, the pricing, unfortunately, is still around 1200 bucks. So, and, and we have to wait. So we'll have to see. Uh, my hope is that um, that, that launch date that we have for the US market uh, gets pulled in and we're able to get maybe some deliveries early July. So if you have a pre-order, like, you know, definitely like I am with you guys, uh, it's going to be really nice. Here we have um, EU's receiving the black and white, UK and US black only in Hong Kong, all colors. So for Joey, um, I know in uh, Norway, it's receiving the purple one as well. So I know in Europe, at least, and some of the, in Norway, they are receiving the purple. So it'll be basically the white and black and purple. But again, it's a regional color kind of setup. Um, 
I'm actually I'm not going to lie. I'm starting to be a little bit more appreciative of the black colors. Uh, mostly, in, and this is purely from a photographer point of reference, um, it is almost impossible to try to take a really good picture of the Sony Xperia One Mark II uh, because of the way the colors and the tone and basically everything is just a darker tone and it's hard to focus on it. And if you try to shine a light on it, it becomes bright and it starts reflecting. So there's a lot of different you know, techniques that you want to try to work with. And I find that like, you know, the Stormtrooper color sc uh, scheme kind of sometimes works. So uh, the white one or the purple one, I think would be would be really, really nice for me. Um, so yeah, I are, uh, uh, O2 in the UK value the device when it, when I brought it with contact was 799 pounds. Exactly. Uh, it's absolutely crazy that, you know, it, they definitely have a much better relationship with carriers in the U in, in Europe. Let's put it that way. Uh, when will the Galaxy Watch 3 be coming? I hear that it comes with EC, uh, okay, with the ECG uh, detector. Uh, I'll prefer it over the Apple Watch as I don't have... Uh, I, oh, I don't have to buy the iPhone unnecessarily because I, um, I was buying the Apple Watch for my uh, ECG. Any thoughts? I think personally, as a feature, realistically, this is uh, either both the Apple Watch or even when Samsung puts it out, if when and if they do put it out in their watches. Um, as far as the actual watch itself, it generally, this is going to be associated with the Galaxy release. They don't have another event going on till they have the Galaxy Note 20 release. So I wouldn't really be surprised if it doesn't come, if it gets released around there. Uh, as far as a wearable, um, the developer conference for Samsung hasn't really hasn't been a announced as well. So I'm not sure if that's going to be going on right around the launch event. So that's going to be also coming out in the next few months. Uh, I personally would say is if you own a Samsung and you're in the Samsung ecosystem, go for that. Uh, if you're not and you're looking to just get the watch itself for that feature itself, I would wait to see how it how it works. And hopefully Samsung doesn't make it as a unique as a as a an intricate feature to for it to only work with Galaxy and maybe the rest of the smartwatch functionalities will work with other devices. Um, as far as for Apple watches, it's been out for about a year or so. I think it, uh, as far as the function or actually a couple of a couple of generations. Um, and they're actually pretty good, and they have a much better integration with their uh, with their medical uh, medical tracking kit. So uh, I wouldn't jump uh, one ecosystem over the other unless the ECG functionality is something that is super important for you. Uh, and at that point, I would probably just wait and see what Samsung has to offer because at this point, all we have is leaks. And uh, even with those things, uh, a lot of that stuff could still change because no not. not no indication that the hardware will be released before the announcement of the Note 20. So hopefully we'll, we'll get more information there. Um, yeah, see, the, the purple one is on Vodafone. So that's what I'm thinking. Um, Europe is getting all the colors and we're getting... So again, my hope is that... You, I hope at some point that the US will receive all the colors. That's my hope. Uh, is it happening right now? Unfortunately not. But we do have the promotion going on, at least on BNH and Sony's website. That was something different as well. Sony started or re revitalized their sales in the US uh, straight on their own site. So you're able to pick it up directly from Sony's website and not have to worry about just getting it from either BNH or Samsung. Uh, sorry, uh, not Samsung. Uh, either BNH, Amazon, or Best Buy. I think those are the other retailers that you're getting. Has anyone received EMUI 10.1 for the P30 Pro in Ireland yet? Uh, I haven't heard of anybody receiving it yet. I think it's still a staggered release. Black and purple for Finland. Exactly. Those are the colors. Yeah. So the Nordic side uh, is receiving those colors. And it, again, I am so jealous. Um, I tried going online and tried going to some of the retailers selling the purple one in, Nor uh, in the Nordic countries. And sadly, not one of them ships internationally. So I can't get them to ship me the, the device, even if I pay for it. And I don't have anybody in the uh, in the area there that can help me, you know, import one directly from there. Uh, I'd love to be able to buy one straight off of, a, let's say, a, a, the European, um, uh, you know, carrier and sign up for a month even or something like that, and then 
anything I can do to get the Sony, uh, the purple one. I think that's the main thing. I want the purple one. Uh, like I said, that one or the Stormtrooper edition one. That's that's the one I would go for. Um, I am who am okay. I'm glad to see the Sony fans and consumers since 1991. I grew up with the Walkman. Yeah, man, I remember that one. Yeah, the Walkman cassette players. Uh, if anybody remembers cassettes, thumbs up. <laughs> that's a classic. The Walkman CD players, the Walkman MD. Oh my God. Remember how MD, the MD format kind of just kind of came and Sony was really gun ho about it and everybody was using those little discs and, and then it all disappeared, you know, and then the Walkman media network and speakers and Sony apps, Sony's uh, by far. Yeah. And of course the, the Xperia line and the Xperia one Mark II just answered so many of the good options. That's one of the reasons why I like it. I like, I love the Sony Xperia Mark II. And uh, I, it's hard for me to say that about a smartphone because I we have a chance to play with a lot of devices, um, but it really just it answered so many things at the right level. But and of course the fact that it's a 4K display and uh, just all, all the stuff that we're expecting that we wanted out of the Xperia One came to the Xperia One Mark II. Um, so here we have uh, Ismail. He's I just received the Sony Xperia One Mark II. The, the hype is real. He was not lying. Oh, thank God, man. That would have been a big problem. Can you imagine if you show up in here and says, yeah, this thing is a, it's just a brick. I don't know why. I don't know why Tika is so excited. Uh, yeah, no, appreciate it, man. No, and I'm, I'm happy for you. Congratulations on, on your, uh, on your Sony. And I, uh, hopefully I will be with you again very soon. Enjoying, you know, playing with the Sony Xperia. Um, here, uh, is there, is there anything you're not keen on? Um, you know, it, it's hard. It's hard. It's it's like a, a, a you know the, the best way to describe it is this. Um, I'm intrigued as to what new things are coming about. Basically, is when it comes to smartphones, right? Every OEM does a little bit something different on their on their device. They they don't necessarily follow the mold. I mean, they're all for the most part following the whole rectangle kind of thing, the glowing rectangle. Speaking of which, um, if you haven't had a chance to, please make sure to check out uh, the uh, Reddit, the subreddit, the glowing rectangles uh, managed by Juan Carlos. Uh, great subreddit for uh, you know identifying and also discovering new uh, new creators. Um, I find that that it's just super interesting how, how different markets value different things, and the manufacturers tailor those uh, those devices to fit the different markets. Sony is an international brand, and I say that because they're present in both the Asian, the U.S., as well as the European market. Uh, they kind of pretty much just stopped existing in the uh, Middle Eastern market, which is a weird thing. Uh, but for me, it's just overall what they bring is always refreshing. And what I look forward to is every time I hold a device, every time I check out a device, I want to see those software optimizations that we generally used to have, you know, to root our devices or to basically uh, unlock the bootloader, install a custom ROM, a whole bunch of different things just to get these customizations. And now OEMs are building these things into their smartphones. Uh, we're getting Android beta release or Android, uh, you know, new versions of Android releasing on smartphones a lot earlier in beta form for people to try out. So there's a lot to be excited about. That's one of the things I love about the, the ecosystem that Android has around it. Um, speaking of the Note 20, coming from the Note 10 Plus, is it re really worth upgrading? I personally say Samsung and most manufacturers generally don't focus on the year-to-year -year upgrade. There's not going to be a big difference between any device. And this is based on how Samsung has historically performed. 
if you see a big difference between where you are with the Note 10 Plus and the S20 Ultra, then that's something that you want to basically consider because that's the biggest difference here. It's going to be basically if you didn't pick up the 5G, there's going to be the 5G variant. It'll probably have a slightly bigger battery, maybe the sensors that we have on the S20 Ultra. But at the end of the day, not that I'm trying to knock the S20 Ultra. I like this device and I use this again as a daily driver. Um, I still think they have a lot of work to do with the sensor. The, the you know the the sensors that they decide to go with here with the 102 megapixel sensor, um, although they got the ability of putting that in, we have that in there. My you know I can say my phone has 102 megapixels, but at the end of the day, I don't think it's it's as good as what the Note 10 Plus's camera is able to do with a much lower uh, you know megapixel count. So I would say wait for it. Currently, probably would say not not necessarily. Um, it, it doesn't generally end up uh, panning out. It's usually the two-year mark that I, they're, they're focusing on uh, because what they're looking at it is that you just, I'm not sure if you paid for it full price, but uh, they're looking at it. You just spend like 10, you know, a thousand, 1200 bucks, whatever, in whichever combination of discounts or promotions that you did on a device in the end of 20, uh, 2019. Are you likely to spend that much money? Most users won't. And I think that's the general consensus behind uh, what they do essentially is that even though it's an upgrade, it won't be a big enough of an upgrade. So I personally would say stick with what you have uh, at this point till we see what the Note 20 offers. And again, unless the 5G is a very compelling feature, uh, I probably would wait uh, as most of the software features do come down at some point. Uh, will the next gen Snapdragon support 4K up to 120 uh, hertz refresh rate? Because uh, Sony needs it. So currently, yeah. Uh, one of the reasons I think a lot of people were always asking me about the uh, Xperia One Mark II, and I do apologize for that. Why didn't we have four, you know? Why don't we have 90 hertz refresh rate? Why don't we have um, you know 120? It's actually a limitation of the Snapdragon 865. I did reach out to Sony. Uh, sorry, I did reach out to Qualcomm this time because I think Sony's answer was that's the best we can do. I did double check with Qualcomm just to make sure that it is actually a limitation of the 655, um, 665. Uh, so the reality of the matter is there's a quite there's a very good possibility that we're able to. Uh, I don't think we'll jump from 60 to 120. I think we're probably going to go with the jump to 60, 90, then 120 at 4K, mostly because there's only one manufacturer right now that is even supporting 4K. Uh, we've had 4K with the 855. We have it with the 865. We know that Sony can generally provide the support for it, but I think 60 frames per second is done right. And what Sony did with this, uh, with the uh, basically the blur reduction or basically the upscaling that they put in here, uh, you still get a somewhat of a better experience on the Xperia 1. There is a difference, and you can notice it between the Xperia 1 and the Mar 1 Mark II. So hopefully the new, uh, the, uh, the 875 will provide us something like that, but we haven't really seen any specs yet. The only thing we're starting to see now is the 865 plus, which again, at the end of 2019, um, or I think the beginning of 2020, uh, Qualcomm said we weren't going to be releasing an 865 plus, but we're starting to see some specs there, uh, especially, uh, you know, the ROG phone three, hopefully we'll be able to see some improvements there. And generally that's going to be an overclocked 865, not necessarily something that can over, you know, overperform by jumping that far ahead. Um, most of our displays, most TVs and so on, are, I think uh, will obviously perform better. But again, for mobile devices, I think 4K with the with the color and the you know the the uh, basic creator mode turned on, I think there's there's a lot to be enjoyed really with the Xperia One Mark II. Um, they should give someone, uh, they should give everyone that every color. Yeah. So Gregory, all, uh, Greg is saying, yeah, all the colors should be available in all the markets. I, I really agree because honestly, the color is purely an aesthetic thing, right? It's a personal choice. Uh, do you prefer it in white, purple, or black? That that's going to be basically down to the consumer and what makes them sell more units. Um, 
I'm not sure if it's an SKSQ kind of a situation where they need to be able to ship certain number of units to each country. Uh, but the reality of the matter, I think in Europe, as I mentioned, they have a much better relationship with carriers. So they know that they can send a lot more hardware there. Hence why we have more colors. Uh, where in the US, they're sending them to online retailers. So none of the retailers that we're seeing in the US will have them in stores. I'm not sure if Best Buy will, but again, with the current situation, it's not really a very, you go into the store and kind of experience it. So we'll have to see. Uh, I hope at some point that they do, uh, even if they do bring it in like as a like a temporary thing, my hope is that they, they definitely consider that. Um, just the front facing camera and the lack of Sony uh, photo album app that, that so, Okay, so Ismael is basically saying he's. Uh, there's a couple of things that you want to talk about, obviously. So yes, um, I've mentioned it in most of my videos, and I do. I do want to mention the fact that I think Sony's focus for the Xperia One Mark II is on the triple 12 megapixel sensors in the back, the 16, the 24, and the 70 millimeter equivalent lenses. That's the focus. It's going to shine. It's going to be the amazing phone that I was talking about. The excitement that you see on my face is for those cameras. It is not by any means that the front-facing camera is bad. It's just it, it's not as good as some of the other devices on the market. You, you can definitely see that they didn't focus there. Um, and hopefully that, that that little glitch. Okay, so I just saw a glitch. I don't know what that is. Hopefully that's nothing. Um, I do want to... You know, actually, what I'm going to do just to make sure that we are not getting limboed, uh, get off the Wi-Fi and I'm going to jump over to YouTube. I'm just going to start my video on the YouTube side. I just want to make sure to see that I'm, that I'm not all the way like going bonkers because I've, I've had that happen to me. And if I'm not mistaken, oh, you know what? If you're on your own channel, it does not work. Um, I think that, yeah, it is live. So we are good. And, and we're going to just basically keep it here for everybody. I just want to make sure that the uh, the feed is working great. Um, the front-facing camera needs work. I think um, the, the front-facing camera would definitely benefit from a G-Cam port. So I think that's going to be my project once I get the uh, Xperia 1 Mark II back in the house. So getting a, a G-Cam port to be able to fix the front-facing camera performance. Uh, now, the other thing that we're also talking about is the fact that they went away from using the Sony album, the Sony photo app. So that's something that if you've used the Xperia 1 or the Xperia 5 and you're used to, you're going to notice that the Xperia 1 Mark II is using the uh, Google Photos because of a better support for the codec that they're using for their video encoding. But I feel like the answer should have still been that we kept the Sony app. Uh, we have three camera applications on the Xperia 1 Mark II, and I think we could have kept both Google Photos as well as the, uh, the, the photo album uh, from the Xperia one. Uh, not to say that it couldn't be ported over, but those are you know conversations for slightly a different day. Speaking of porting, and I love the fact that we talked about that one, I do want to show you guys. Um, now, Juan Carlos posted this earlier this week, uh, and essentially, let's bring this in. Yay, we're bringing it back. So Juan Carlos uh, did get a chance to check it out. I didn't have, at the time when I saw it, I didn't get a chance to install it on my Xperia one. I do need to install that. I do have the first gen. And uh, what you have essentially is a port or essentially a, a way of porting over the Camera Pro function or app over to the Xperia 1. It's janky. It's not exactly the best situation right now, but it is kind of um, it, it, like an initial release. And it's basically, for the most part, making the, the app think it, that it's installed on an Xperia 1 Mark II. Uh, but because of things like this, and this is obviously a direct uh, link uh, over at the XDA portal, uh, and talks basically about the Pro Camera app for Xperia 1, talks about how to download it, uh, installing the APK, and the modification that you do need to do for it to actually start working on your device. So it's something that keep in mind if you have the Xperia 1, or um, I, hasn't, I haven't seen it being tested on the Xperia 5 yet, 
but it, in theory, it should be something that you could use on the Xperia 1 as well as the Xperia 5. And it's definitely very nice to see something like that on smartphones. Uh, that's, again, one of the reasons why we love the fact that, you know, uh, Sony does provide us new updates. And from my conversations with them um, over the process before I got the device, I, is that certain features will be coming down to Xperia 1 and Xperia 5. They would not confirm for me that the Camera Pro will being that this is so simple or so easy for it to basically basic, uh, get it to work, I'm imagining it's something that will come down. It may not come down with all the features, but I'm hoping is that we'll get some kind of a version of it at some point once the full release of the Xperia 1 Mark II has happened, because I think that's probably going to be the big uh, holdup on the, on upgrading the first generation. They want people to be, you know, obviously want to try the new one. Um which can you which can you buy worth? Is it the eight or the eight pro? Okay, so uh this is Hitset Hitset um Hitesh? Oh Hitesh, sorry, Hitesh uh, Monami Monani. Um personally I would say if you're in the market and you're and the price isn't an issue, so I I would look at it at the price point. Um I would go for the either the I would go for really the base model to the eight ninety nine model of the uh, OnePlus eight pro. Mostly because the the display, the resolution, the the QHD plus one twenty, and you're just literally getting the best of everything. Also, the fact that you get wireless charging and reverse wireless charging, you still have the ability of using the fast charging, stereo speakers, the big display, uh, a lot more things going on. Aesthetically, the uh, plus the eight and the eight Pro are very much the same. They both have curved displays. It used to be a situation where you had a 1080p uh, flat display at ninety hertz. Now you have 1080p curved edges, uh, 90 hertz refresh rate on the 8, and then, of course, 120. And I feel like the 8 Pro definitely has a lot more uh, just overall, basically, there's more options for RAM. You can go higher. Uh, you have better functions. And if the price isn't an issue, I would definitely recommend you at least going to the 899 model. Uh, and that's because I've tried both, and I still prefer the 8 Pro over the 8. Nothing's wrong with the 8, uh, but if you're able to get over the price, I think the 8 Pro is worth it. Um, oh, I think, sorry, I, I think I need to kind of start catching up. Speaking of Note 20, we talked about this one. Yeah, no, definitely, guys. Uh, so, um, so here, here, Vikash is answering basically the, uh, the video for video iPhone 11 Pro is best, um, and, uh, camera. Okay. So, yeah, exactly. So, uh, Vikash is pretty much straight on, um, iPhones to this day, I have to give it to them, um, cameras for when it comes to video, they are pretty much the standard. I would say, if you want to see exactly how every smartphone should do when it comes to video recording, try using it on an iPhone. You'll you'll see exactly what I mean. Uh, and when it comes to photography, that's exactly what we were talking. Pixel devices kind of just take the cake when it comes to photography because of just the computational processing that Google is able to do, even with one lens, even when they had one lens on the Pixel 3 and the 3 XL. Uh, with the Pixel 4a, those are the things that obviously you can see here. So the Pixel 3a, sorry, not the Pixel 4a. The Pixel 3a, you can definitely appreciate the, the sensor work and the uh, and the amount of uh, processing that they've done here uh, just to be able to record 4K, for, uh, you know, not even just for video, for like still images. It definitely works even on a 200, 299 or two, uh, $349, uh, $349 Pixel for the 3a. Um, speaking of which, uh, nice segue on that one. Uh, actually, hey, Aditya is in the comments. Welcome, man. Welcome. Uh, 
Yes, on full auto, not to mention that the video stabilization and plugin on the Google is actually pretty good. It's actually ridiculous, gimbal style, gimbal level stuff. Um, if you're going full auto, right, uh, you're right. The iPhone is better, at, exactly. There are some things going on. So DTS kind of like re, re, reaffirming the comment there uh, from what's going on. Uh, I think the uh, the overall aesthetics of what when we start looking at iPhones and, I, and Android as far as performance, uh, there really is no one system that answers everything. Like Sony did a great job when it comes to the back sensors. But again, we left the front-facing experience lacking a little bit and something that they could fix in the future with better hard software. And that's what I'm saying. A Gcam port would probably be uh, definitely a nice thing to add. Um, but I think what we need to look at it also is just appreciate what they've done and the amount of improvements they've done, not only on the sensor side, but also the autofocusing. I mean, we're talking ridiculous 20 frames per second autofocusing on a mobile device and the ability of jumping and start basically snapping images like it's going out of style. So um, if you're picking it up, just keep that in mind. The front facing camera's experience is not necessarily the best, but definitely can get better. Um, Yes, no, definitely. And then I see here. Oh, yeah. Uh, so Dave, uh, Dave and his TK. I'm looking forward to the Xperia 5 Mark II. We're starting actually to see some rumors about that. I think I saw somewhere where they were talking about, um, uh, I think I think I was Geekbench or something like that, where they were able to start seeing that it's in development. So the hardware is definitely finalized. And um, the beauty of it is the Xperia 5 always brought in what the Xperia 1 did and in small form factor. So we lose the 4K. That's a big thing. But you're still definitely getting the, the better performance, the new improved uh, optics. So um, if you're loving the fact, or if you're, into, if, if you're as excited as I am when it comes to the cameras, the Xperia 5 will be able to do that for you guys very well. Um, uh, oh, yes. So, well, I'm not sure. I, I would probably say, so the V50, if I'm not mistaken, had a higher resolution display. So that's something that I would probably consider. Uh, I would say, let's wait till Xperia 5 Mark II comes out. Hopefully nothing broke. Um, and then at that point, maybe uh, maybe uh, the Xperia 1 Mark II is available as, as a secondary market, or maybe there's more promotions going on. That may even entice you to think about the one as opposed to uh, the Xperia 5. But yeah, I'm with you. Uh, I can't wait for the Xperia 1, uh, 5 Mark II. Um, is there a Gcam port for the Note 10 Plus? There is one for the Snapdragon model. Uh, as far as I know, unless you're running the uh, Exynos model, it hasn't been, a, I don't think there is one yet. Uh, I could be wrong, uh, but essentially, the, for the most part, it's mostly the configuration file that needs to be brought in. And most Gcams are ported all uh, off of a, uh, Qualcomm uh, processors. So that's usually what holds uh, the like any non-Qualcomm, like Exynos or Kirin processors, what holds them back from getting Gcam ports very fast. So uh, I would definitely simply Google it uh, or just type in XTA Gcam. And of course, Note 10 Plus should be pretty good. Um, Oh, sorry. I think I highlighted something and I skipped. When, uh, okay, with the price and features, which one would you go, the Sony or the 8 Pro? Ooh. It really depends on what you're using it. If your focus is the camera, I would go with the Sony. If your focus is the gaming overall speed and just, you know, QHD 120 frames per second of fresh rate, I think the 8 Pro. It's really two different consumers, uh, two different... Yeah, two different target consumer. They're not even marketed as uh, as competitors. Now, Sony does well when it comes to gaming, but I feel like the Xperia, uh, sorry, the Eight Pro would definitely do better. You're able to, uh, you know, support higher refresh rate. Uh, it, again, QHD is no slouch. I know it's not a 4K resolution, but it's again the the market is slightly different. So I think you have to kind of focus on what you're looking for. 
if it's camera experience, a great audio with a headphone jack, uh, and overall, obviously, true cinematic 4K uh, content on mobile devices. I think Sony hand down is just the device you go with. If you're looking for more of what OnePlus brings in, which is speed, performance, and th the functions like that, I feel like OnePlus will always definitely win in that department because that's just, again, what they do, and they do it best. So if you're looking for that, I think that's always going to be really nice. Um, so I am uh, who, I'm, who I am. Oh, I am who I am. I just got it. Okay, I am who I am. Hey, TK, uh, there's some more nostalgia. Again, I'm also uh, more of a 200, oh, the, the 200 Panasonic, Iowa. Oh, man, that brand is old. Uh, uh, Grundig, Philips, Pioneer, Alpine, uh, the Akai cassette players. Oh, man, those are, yeah, you're taking me way back on this. Now I'm showing my uh, my whole nostalgic thing. Okay, so models, slim advanced ones. Oh, man, always good, always good. Um when you had the Xperia 1 Mark II, did you happen to take any photos of extremely small items? Oh, macro photography. Um, I photographed small gemstone, and it was it was just trying to get the idea of performance. Um, I didn't do a lot of... Actually, hold on. Let me see this. I can open up my, uh, my camera reel, and I just need to see, basically, if I can access it over on the server. Um, I backed up my camera folder, mostly because I don't have the phone anymore, so I didn't really feel like keeping it on my main system here. Uh, we'll see if I'm able to pull that up as we're talking. So if I'm able to, I'll hopefully be able to answer some of those questions. I don't remember doing a lot of macro photography. I generally don't really focus too much. I did a lot of close-up photography uh, for photo for flowers and so on, just to be able to get the details. And a lot of that did work quite well for me. The autofocusing on this is ridiculously good, um, but I didn't do macro. So I think I'm, I'm assuming that's what you meant. You meant macro photography specifically. Um, so yeah, so DTS conference still talking with Vikash. Um, how's the P40 Pro Plus? 10x optical is is it good or um, as good as they say or not? Um, I think so far with so I've had the device for a few days and uh, there was a little bit of a delay getting the device over to me. The the short answer is um, I feel like the 10x is actually pretty good. It, you could definitely notice the difference there, especially since. It is one of the only devices or one of the few devices that actually offer true 10x optical because of the way the camera system is done on the, uh, sorry, on the um, Huawei P40 Plus, uh, P40 Pro Plus. It's a long, so like Huawei P40 Pro Plus. I think we need to just say the Pro Plus. should be easier. Um, definitely appreciative. I, I like the fact that it works great. That the 100 times uh, zoom, again, it's, I think, if more of a, I think it's more of a party trick, the best way to say it, because I, I don't really feel like anybody would ever use a picture that was taken that far. It's great to be able to kind of shoot in or be in the moment when you're able to see something or subject that is that far and see the level of uh, focus. Uh, but the slightest jitter in your hand, if you're holding it, and even if you don't think you're moving, you'll notice the, the sensor is kind of moving around. And that's just because it responds so much to every single jitter out of your hand. I think that you need a tripod for that mode. Um, overall, uh, I, it took this morning when I went for the walk with the family and, uh, the cameras themselves is actually really good. Uh, the 10X is absolutely crazy. I'll go ahead and hook it up. I'll show you guys some of the pictures that I took with the phone this morning as again, I was taking a nice little walk. So where is our adapter? Da, da, da. Here we are. Nope. And, oh, you know what? It'd be nice if I didn't disconnect it. Here we are. So we'll go ahead and hook it up. One of the reasons I really like smartphones that have external display. So I bring it down here. We're going to connect it once. I'll give it a second because I don't think I have it. Yeah, so I think that's what it was. So we'll go ahead and say next. We'll say start. We got it. And we're going to go back here and we're going to go to phone mode. So let's switch over to the actual phone. Here we are. 
So this is kind of to answer your question right there, Kevin. Uh, so that's Kevin Wang with us there. So we're going to open it up here. So here, um, let's go ahead and go parallel. So I want to show you guys basically some of the, the, the images. Again, just this was actually from with the, I think it was if I'm not using, if I'm not mistaken here. So the camera that, the mode that uh, Kevin's asking us about here. So you'll have basically standard one, one X, which is present on the right side. Then you have three X. And then you have that 10x mode. This is native in there because they're using the optics exactly the way it's intended. So we'll go ahead and look at the images here. Let's kind of bring the tilt on my side. And uh, you can definitely appreciate the colors and the way the images look like here on this. Just it's really, really nice. What I want to show you guys real quick here, not not this photo. And where are we? So I was taking again just this morning, just absolutely amazing images. So here I am. Uh, yeah, so that's not a good one. So here, this is me standing. We were standing at the top of a hill. There's a big, nice walk for us in the more, in the little area that we are we live in. You can definitely appreciate the colors, everything. I mean, I can zoom in to a lot, and you can kind of see that there's a, a person there that's walking around. So here, that's the actual full uh, full side. And actually, if I'm, I don't know why it's going backwards. Uh, two, three. Oh, you know what? Actually, that wasn't the one I wanted to do. So here we are. Okay, so here we are. So this is a wide-angle lens shot of uh, basically a nice little walkway. You can definitely see uh, there's like a little walkway over there. So here there's one. Then I zoom into standard focal. This is just the standard image. Again, color looks still pretty good. Can't really zoom too much. So, and then we'll jump over. So this is 3x, 3x zoom. So this still looks very clear. I'm able to see the detail, the walkway, the trees. I can see the different colors in there. And let's go ahead and bring this back and then jump back one more time. This is the 10x. You could look and see exactly how the 10x looks like. This is 10x optical. And of course, uh, we can go super creeper mode by just going into this one. So this one is the 100 times. Uh, again, it, I, I don't think anybody would ever use this picture because you can barely tell the grass to, and or even anything else. Like it just blends everything together. Uh, but again, good example of basically being able to shoot in this level and enjoy it. So again, this is a wide angle lens. And of course, just a lot more details here. It's just, I, I enjoy taking pictures with uh, with these devices. They're just really nice. Uh, so yeah, initial impressions, definitely good. Um, needs a little bit more testing on the camera just to be able to enjoy and see. And I also want to do some comparisons with the P40 Pro, the standard model, uh, because I think that's really where the discussion needs to be. This device doesn't really compete with a lot of others. It's really more competing to the, uh, I would say, to the, obviously, the true Huawei uh, enthusiast that appreciates the camera tech that we get from them. Uh, scroll down a little bit more. The Mark II. Oh, here it is. So Ahmed Jar, uh, Jabir uh, saying, the Mark II versus the iPhone versus the Samsung camera, which one which is, is good? Um, I think the, the Mark... The Mark II is a very specific pro-level experience. The Mark II is a camera that you need to know. You need to be comfortable. You need to be comfortable, actually, um, maybe the best way to describe it. Sony's smartphones, when it comes to Camera Pro or Cinema Pro, requires a little bit of uh, thought process into setting up the scene, the project, the uh, the basically the, the way you want to set up your shot. Uh, it's not really meant to be just photo, uh, you know, automatic mode and just go about it the way most devices are. I'm not trying to say that, you know, obviously you need to be a pro to use it, but it needs time for you to get comfortable using this system. 
uh, where you know iPhones and Samsung devices rely heavily on their automatic mode. Most of the people that use those devices are opening the camera and taking a picture right away. They're not going into the pro mode in Samsung devices to try to take a better picture. They're not trying to you know find different you know using Filmic Pro or anything else other than the standard camera application built into these devices. So it's hard to compare them over to Sony. Sony can generate some really good videos, some really good content out of the back cameras that we get there, where I feel like iPhones overall, if you had to compete with two, I think Samsung and iPhones are great. They're the best of the two ecosystems that you can get from a sense of um, name brand. And if, of course, as far as features, uh, but they're not necessarily in the same ballpark. So that's really why I try not to, I try not to, I try to tell people, don't think of the Xperia 1 Mark II as just another smartphone. Think of it as a pro-level camera or prosumer-level camera, meaning an alpha camera brought into a smartphone, and it's really catering to that user, the user that appreciates the alpha cameras, the user that appreciates Sony, uh, you know, the, the Sony cinema department or the Sony, uh, you know, Walkman department for the audio processing. Those are the departments that are catering for you here, and they're doing it in a really good way. So definitely appreciate that, uh, and hopefully that answers your question there. Uh, Davin Davis. So here we're saying Aditya. Oh, so he's answering Aditya here. LG offers better audio control. Still one uh, one of the top five phones I've ever owned since the Xperia Z3. Man, the Z3 did come to the US. I remember that one. We had that one very briefly. Um, when the Xperia Phone 5 Mark II uh, is out, I'll get it out of Hong Kong with a dual SIM model. That's another thing. I, was, I think the European models will have uh, dual SIMs where the, Euro the US models will only have one um that will work here in the us so i think that's that makes perfect sense i think uh, price point feature set you'll get all the benefits of the xperia uh, obviously the xperia one mark ii but you don't necessarily have to worry about uh, the price point and the battery drain the 4k display will or will use a lot more battery so my hope is that the xperia 5 mark ii will also have a bigger camera oh sorry bigger battery there um the LG Pro Mode versus, uh, on the V series is more keen to Sony Pro Mode. It is, but I feel like it does a little bit different. Um, it's um, it's kind of like bringing Cinema Pro into the camera app, with the exception of the way the setup is done. It still treats your your project or your your footage, your videos, and so on, um, uh, in more of a basically a one off, right? You're taking single shots, single uh, single videos. You get the controls, you get the manual options, you get the uh, obviously the audio meter, you get all those nice little options as well as like the audio bokeh and so on. But um, it doesn't set it up as a project where Sony still does it in a better situation. If you're shooting a mode, if you're shooting a video uh, or project in Cinema Pro, um, it locks you into that same. Uh, so basically, if you're shooting it in 4K60, you're doing the whole thing in 4K60. You're not jumping between one or the other. And for that, what it does is also disables the sensors that are not able to provide you that 4K60 experience. Where I feel like, you know, with... Um, when we're getting it with LG, because you're able to jump between different things, it, it requires a little bit more focus from the user to kind of say, okay, I'm sticking to this one sensor so that I don't have any shift in color between the different lenses, or I don't have any shift in, uh, you know, uh, the frame rate on the video so that when I'm editing it, I don't have to go to the lowest common denominator and then lose on the 60. So if you shoot like a few clips in 4K 60, and then suddenly you shoot a clip at 1080 30 or 4K30, uh, to get your video to look as smooth as possible, you tend to go to the lowest common denominator, which would be the 30 frames per second. So those are things you want to keep in mind. And I feel like Sony does that slightly different. Um, 
I do think LG definitely hits it out of the park when it comes to price point, feature, camera functionality, 4K. The 4K factor is on the front and the back sensor is definitely really good. Uh, I'm not sure why Sony is not giving the front-facing sensor as much attention, but I can understand that the Sony engineers that came in from the Alpha team said, you know what? Our alpha cameras don't have front-facing cameras, so let's just focus on what we know and we can do the best at. I think that's the best way to look at it. Um, how's the haptic feed uh, feedback on the 8 Pro? Oh, absolutely great. Uh, they fixed the haptic feedbacks on the uh, on the OnePlus devices since the 7 Pro uh, from last year, so there hasn't really been much of, of an issue. I think the 7 had uh, the same haptic feedback as the 6T, uh, but that one was fixed later with the 7T. So I think uh, OnePlus has finally take, brought that over as far as the haptics are definitely much improved. So if you're if you're coming from like an earlier generation, like a OnePlus 5, those are going to be some things that you'll definitely notice as a big improvements there. Uh, Kevin Wang, uh, TK, how do you think, or what do you think about the uh, boycott of Chinese smartphones brand movement in India? I think that one is very much a, I, the, the easy way to say it is realistically, this that's more of a, I want to say current climate, uh, political climate situation that's going on. I'm not sure if that's specifically made, uh, that has obviously a big factor into that. Um, we've seen many manufacturers, I mean, so let's just focus realistically what's going on. Uh, there is so many phones, Chinese-made phones or other brand phones, you know, Korean, Samsung and so on, that are in the Indian market. The Indian market has a lot more options when it comes to smartphones. Uh, as far as, you know, if they decide to basically say, look, we're not going to look at one brand, but we're going to cover other brands. I think it's really more of a time of what is needed, what's able to provide you the best deal and what is able to provide you the best hardware to support what you need. Uh, the current situation, again, what's going on there is very unique to what's going on in the current uh, political environment that unfortunately is something that I'm not, I don't have enough information to comment on. But uh, if the if it's anything in history kind of proves that, you know, it, it, things come and go, they come and go in waves. So I think what you have is great options. And there is a big ecosystem of Chinese phones in the Indian market that I don't feel like it's something that would just disappear as easily as um, as things are would be like that. So I would say just we'll have to see how time goes if that actually pans out in the, in the long run. The DTS comment, uh, oh, the, the Z Ultra. Oh, my God. I remember the Z Ultra. That was massive. That was a big phone. I've wanted to actually test out the uh, the Sony phone audio. Uh, I tend to have uh, my earphones plugged in. Believe it or not, that was one thing I realized also when I traveled a lot to Europe. Um, Europeans, uh, or at least if I'm not mistaken, and you guys can correct me, please, um, tend to prefer wired headphones over wireless. Uh, and I feel like I, I totally agree with you guys because you don't have to worry about charging them. You don't have to worry about kind of any issues with you know interference or Bluetooth connectivity or so on. Um, I feel like it's something that you can definitely uh, use for a long time, but uh, we're starting to see less and less phones have headphones. And and honestly, Sony bringing it back is absolutely an amazing feature there. Uh, oh, sorry, that was the yeah, Kevin's question there. So we'll jump over here. The Hong Kong variant Xperia 1 Mark II is sold out with all three variables. Uh, David, where are you looking for? Um, I, so I, I, know if, I know a buddy that has... Uh, that is imported for me a couple of phones in the past from from Hong Kong. Uh, unfortunately, there's always a uh, best way to say that a small uptake in price, uh, but not not enough to actually for it to be an issue. So I, I would be interested to see where you're looking uh, to be able to import it from Hong Kong. Is it like a, a reputable store, or is it more of a friend that you basically is able to help you out and get it for you from the local market? 
I, I would be interested. Even if it is sold out, I would put money on it. At having the dual SIM version of a of the device and because it's not going to give us 5G anyways in the US, I'm not worried about getting a, a Hong Kong model. You know what I mean? It's not like I'm worried about the 5G uh, bands. I've used Hong Kong phones before and they generally do support LTE in the US. So for me, that kind of fixes the problem. So that would be my, my, main, my main benefit there. Sai Vinil uh, says, hey, TK, um, are you thinking about the Huawei uh, by not having Google services? Are they trying to make their headsets another standard as Android and, and Apple? Um, so yeah, uh, obviously there is, uh, you know, there's no Google Play services currently on the P40 Pro, bah, the P40 Pro and the P40 Pro Plus. How many times I'm going to be able to say this? I don't know. Uh, but yes, no, uh, short answer is um, both Huawei and Honor last year, at the end of last year, start talking about Harmony OS. If you guys are not familiar with it, or I think it was, uh, I think it's, yeah, I think it's just called Harmony. That's the best way to say it. They've demoed that it actually works on uh, their smart devices, so their, their, their TV, so the Huawei TV and the Honor TV both run Harmony OS. They didn't prove that it was running on an Android device. Uh, one thing I would say if they do that, if they do decide to go into another operating system, meaning uh, running it on a Harmony OS, as a user, you would have no idea that they did that. And the reason I say this is because they've modified the the aesthetical look of uh, the aesthetical look of Android so much that by the time you see what they're showing you on your smartphone, like the, essentially the icons, the gestures, the functionality. All of that could be running on top of, uh, you know, Harmony OS, and we wouldn't even know any different because of the way they are. They have gone so far with just the aesthetical look of uh, what we get with uh, Huawei and Honor devices. So, um, is it realistic? Yes. Is it possible for it to be, the best, uh, you know, tested on smartphones? Absolutely. Currently not available. Uh, and from what we've heard in the past is that they're not trying to make it into an operating system. But I think as time goes on, at some point, uh, one thing or will obviously prevail is if they're able to build up their app system or their um, the, their app, the, the, the gap gallery, sorry, I, the, that name kind of escaped me for a second. If they're able to build up the app gallery development ecosystem around it and get all the applications that generally that most people like to have on their smartphones uh, that usually are present on the Google Play Store on the app gallery, I feel like at that point, that would be a perfect time for them to do that separation and then start focusing on their own market. They have their own user base. Obviously, they're big in China. There's no question there. Um, they're still present in the European market, unfortunately, not in the U.S., so it's that's something to keep in mind, realistically, what you're looking there. Uh, I don't really see that as a problem. I think what they're trying to make sure is that people understand that right now, cameras are a big drive for them. They did a lot of work there. Uh, connectivity, functional things, hardware changes on the smartphone, specifically this one. This actually is ceramic. Um, I don't know if you guys could. It's definitely very, it feels, it's a lot, uh, not a lot, but a little bit heavier than the P40 Pro. Um and it supports 40 watt charging. I mean, hey man, 40 watts, it's crazy. I mean, it's not great for the battery, but you know, if you need it in a pinch, I think 40 watt charging on this is gonna be crazy fast. So I'm hoping that got, that kind of answered your question there, um, uh, Sai, hopefully that kind of got you there. Um, oh, so Ismail is answering somebody else. Oh, so Vikash is saying, uh, one thing which I haven't noticed is that if you have a budget of 150 euro phone and um, and a flagship, even, even Okay, so even if both at 60 hertz, their smoothness is way too different. Um, 
Maybe it's due to touch sampling rate. There, it's due to two factors. Yes, part of it is the touch sampling rate, but that's really more of the response on how fast the the display or the uh, how how fast does the actual UI recognize your touch and start responding on it. But there's also the optimization that is generally done on the software end. Uh, you know, obviously, more expensive devices will have more development work done on them to actually smooth them, get the the actual work correctly. They troubleshoot it more. Where I feel like uh, more budget devices, it's more focused on uh, getting the getting the Android operating system running on this device as optimal as possible, and with the understanding that if somebody spent 150, they're not going to be too hard bent on the fact that it doesn't run as smooth as a thousand dollars. There is obviously enough of a commitment. Also, if you think about it, you know, software update on a hundred dollar, one hundred and fifty euro device will obviously be almost abysmal if if they even if they're even there, uh, where you're expecting a lot more after sales support on higher end, which tend to basically make the performance and uh, the overall UI function work a lot better. So, uh, I understand that sometimes we appreciate having the budget friendly version, but we also understand that post post launch or post uh, post sales support does cost money. And from a business standpoint, it doesn't make sense for them to try to put that much money on something their 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 profit margin is so low. So I would appreciate it. Look, I would definitely look at it from there. Osama Salem. Ahlan wa sahlan ya Habibi Osama Osama min Lebanon min Beirut. Um so Sorry, uh, I'm like really driving here. My uh, home, my home. Well, I don't know who Osama personally is, but uh, I'm, I'm appreciating the fact that he's from Beirut. Uh, as you guys probably know, I was born and raised in, in Beirut till I was about 17 years old, and then I came here to the U.S. So for me, whenever I see a, a fellow Lebanese uh, Beiruti uh, in in the comments, I ahlan wa sahlan, al khair. I think I'm pretty sure it's an evening for you. Uh, it's not sabaho. It's mas al khair. So ahlan ahlan habib. Uh, Osama is definitely welcome to the club, man. Um, power, okay. So, uh, Ogoran, hey, man, how are you, man? Uh, power processor, because, uh, yes, <laughs> yeah, I think you're answering Vikas's comments there. And then Aditya is also in there. <sighs> Aditya, Aditya if, if you can help me with that, man, I, I would really, I, is it is it being sold in uh, where you are? Because I don't know if, if the market even is, is you know, I know it's sold across Europe, but not every country has it. So I would definitely appreciate any any kind of direction there. Uh, oh yeah, man. <laughs> Go on, but yeah. Good evening, man. Uh, when will the Sony Xperia be? Uh, okay, so for as far as I can say right now, at least for the Middle East, it's not coming to the Middle East. It's going to be imported and it's going to be available through resellers, uh, resellers or retailers that are going to import it. Which sadly means that the price won't even reflect exactly what it's worth because you know it sells for twelve hundred mostly in most places. It's end up it's probably going to end up basically being more expensive, and that's something to keep in mind. Uh, and that's probably going to start happening more like in July when more hardware is available. It's starting to ship like within this week or last week. Uh, and when I say this week, I mean you know the week that was started that, that we're at the end of this week. Um, that's when people are starting to receive their hardware in Europe. So I think those are the people that you'll be able to start seeing to people to bring them into the Middle East. I feel Europe market would probably be the one that, that kind of feeds into it. As far as India, no word yet from uh, from uh, Sony at all. So like I said, I know in the Middle East they're not there. They're not even they don't have sales channels set up for the Middle East. That's how how different it is. 
but I'm hoping in July you'll start seeing some retailers. If not, once I'm able to find a reasonable one that is uh, that allows us to ship internationally, I'll be linking that in all my videos to make sure everybody's aware of where to be able to pick it up because that's a very big value to be able to get it, even if it's international. I think it'll work great. Uh, I am not sure if it will support 5G in the U uh, in the Emirates, so we'll have to double check and see what works there. Uh, here, oh, Ismail talking to Aditya. <laughs> um put a d brand skin on it oh come on vikash <laughs> I, I don't know i'm i'm i personally i don't i'm not a big fan of d brand i like i like cases i like be able to see my device um so davis and said it's a website that i've used uh for years uh i've bought it for I've bought following models from them so basically the z ultra the nokia lumia the 920 uh the lg g7 plus uh, as the last one uh have no issues with them uh you can research them as well. Definitely. I appreciate that, David. Uh, Davin, sorry. I'll uh, I'll double check and see if I can find one. Uh, but yeah, Hong Kong is always going to be, for me, obviously in the US, uh, and specifically because I live in California, uh, Hong Kong shipping is always the best because it, it literally lands in LA before it goes anywhere. And then just, I get them really, really fast. So always, always happy with those uh, here. Uh, oh, sorry. So are you thinking of a private chipset manufacturers like the Snapdragon, MediaTek? Uh, we'll go. Uh, okay, so here uh, you're uh, okay. Are you thinking about private Chinese manufacturers like the Snapdragon, uh, MediaTek? So Snapdragon is actually a U.S. based manufacturer. MediaTek is the one that's Chinese. So there's a little bit of a difference in, in they may manufacture their hardware in some Chinese markets. Uh, but Sam's uh, sorry, Snapdragon as a company is a U.S. company. Um, uh, will go nowhere in the future as Chinese companies are um, in the verge of making their own processors, so their handset. So first and foremost, we've had, uh, there's there's different sets of processors, right? There's not just one class. Snapdragon right now is the leading one, but we've had Kirin, uh, which is a Chinese chipset that's nothing new. So just kind of just to let you know, the Kirin chipset is something that is quite powerful. It's been available for some time, but unfortunately the 990 is more equivalent to the five uh, to the 850 right now than it is to the 865. So it's not catching up to the, uh, the Snapdragon. I think Snapdragon from 855 to 865 did a big, a big leap incorporating the 5g modem in there also gave them a lot more, um, capabilities and also kind of leveled the the game uh, area when it came to 5g on smartphones because anybody that supports the 865 should be able to support 5g technology uh, we're starting to see the 765 series to start becoming more available with 5g so namely uh, the lg velvet i think is also going to be a 765 5g device um, I think the TCL 10 uh, 5G is also supporting the 765. So we're seeing more devices. Can Chinese manufacturers provide and start making more devices running separate? Obviously, totally possible. Uh, I think Huawei is a perfect example. Chinese manufacturing, Chinese hardware, and of course, we have Chinese processor built into a Chinese phone. The operating system is just, that would be the only thing if they're able to switch it over. TK gets uh, getting excited is the best thing ever. <laughs> it's Saturday. Come on, we, we got to start the weekend off on the right note, right? You know, enjoy. There's a lot of things going on, and uh, you know, there's a lot of cool things coming in the in, in a few weeks. Speaking of which, I actually do want to mention this. Um, I got an email from Xiaomi. And um, I think I think I don't know if I mentioned to you guys last week or not, uh, but they they mentioned to me about a, a couple weeks ago or so. He's like, "Hey, are you interested in the P uh, in the Poco F2 Pro?" And I 
you know, absolutely. I love the uh, love the idea. I love the idea of the first one, and I've been wanting to be able to check it out. It's the that medium, you know, five hundred and fifty, five hundred and sixty dollar uh, headset that obviously is trying to give us. And at least I haven't seen it myself, but at the launch event, they touted that they were faster in in processing or just overall performance um, than the uh, eight Pro, the OnePlus Eight Pro. So to me, that just that intrigued me right away. So first and foremost, yes, uh, it looks like it has been shipped. I don't know when it'll be here, but it's on its way, uh, and we should be able, you know look forward to some content on that one as well. Uh, there'll be obviously a live stream over on Amazon. There'll be more content on the channel, and um, I'm trying to get my hands also on the uh, I think it's the the Mi 10 Pro. Um, since I want to install the uh, the Xiaomi uh, beta on the Mi 10, unfortunately, once you install the beta, it, you have to unlock your device, so it kind of this. It puts it in a, a situation where it stops being a daily driver. It's more of a review testing unit. It's kind of like what I'm doing right now with the uh, with this one. This is the Pixel Three. Uh, once I installed, uh, you know, the uh, beta on this, it suddenly becomes more focused on the beta functionality. So, both the Mi 10 as well as the Poco F2 Pro is also being it should be here in the soon. The F2 Pro hopefully next week, and the I'm not sure when the Mi 10 will be here, but hopefully soon. Uh, yeah, but I like I like it. It's it's fun. And I'm hanging out with you guys. So how how why am I not able to be so excited? Um. So, uh, uh, hey, how you doing? Black a blast. Um. So keep in mind, a lot of these devices, and I think I've mentioned them in the past, are not actually my phones. So even the P40 Pro Plus that I'm showing you guys right now, this is a loaner that I actually end up having to return. I'm on I'm on the end cycle of the P40 Pro, so that one has to be sold. Uh, well, sorry, it has to be returned back to Huawei uh, because they're kind of doing a swap for me. I happen to have that little, uh, we call it the limbo time where I can keep one for a little bit and then return the other one. So as soon as I put my video on the P40 Pro Plus, I think the P40 Pro definitely does go back. Uh, I think if I have to make a decision between the two uh, right now, overall, with the exception, so you have to keep in mind, both have the same situation with the whole Google Play services and stuff. That's something to be put aside. You can import and get the Google Play services running on both not a problem. You just have to obviously Google it and then go through the process. And I recommend you doing that when you get the phone right out of the box. Don't do it once you install your stuff and set up a whole bunch of things. Um, I think at the end of the day, if you value that, uh, obviously being able to take closer, uh, like telephoto, the telephoto functionality, and you value obviously faster wireless charging, I think the P40 Pro Plus definitely fits there. Aesthetically, it looks definitely very unique. That white, uh, I would, again, I keep calling it the Stormtrooper look uh, because it just reminds me so much of that, you know, the black and white coloring that we get with the design with the classic Stormtrooper uh, design. Uh, so yeah, I, I wish I could sell it to you, bro. I, I really, uh, I don't have a way of selling my devices specifically when they're not mine. Uh, and these are all loaners where they make us sign uh, actual waivers and explaining in the loan period that we have them for. Uh, Lava's, uh, Lava Kumar Saktike. Um, how are you doing? Uh, great. Sorry for the late entry in the, uh, at the live show. Welcome, man. Welcome back. Uh, can you tell me which app Huawei is using to replace to YouTube in their phones? So they're not using an actual... Um, so there's different ways of doing it, right? Uh, so you can either download Vanced, or if I'm not mistaken, I think I downloaded one here off of, ooh, speaking of which, I got to charge. I actually need to charge my uh, P40 Pro. Uh, we'll do it here. Do, do, do. No, actually, I did not download it. Uh, so for me, what I've been using, sorry, I'm going to actually put this one on the charger as it decided that it's it was at 1%, literally like 1%. Uh, I've been using uh, basically just the YouTube web app. Uh, so you open up the Chrome app browser. You, surprisingly, Chrome runs without Google Play services. Don't know why. Uh, actually, 
pretty sure why, but again, why, why does it actually work without? So if you download Chrome directly from, let's say, APK Mirror or anything else, you can create a web app straight on your desktop, and you can actually, every time you click it, it'll open up YouTube or the uh, web-based YouTube on it. Uh, now, there are other applications available on, uh, like, online, like Vance, YouTube Vance and stuff like that that you can download, uh, and those are things that you can use that will actually work kind of like a YouTube application, so that's something you can try. I'm trying to remember if I did do... Hold it one more time here. Oh, actually, I take that back. Uh, there is an app. It's called Play YouTube, uh, PlayTube. I forgot about that one. Yeah, uh, it's called PlayTube. Just two words, PlayTube, and it's uh, it's an app that runs. At least it's currently working uh, that enables us to play videos off of YouTube. Uh, you don't have a way of logging in with it, so you don't have any subscription base, but it definitely gives you access to YouTube. Um, and by personally, I prefer using the web-based app in Chrome because it allows me to log in with my account and also it uh, gives me, uh, take that back, it doesn't log me in, it gives me the access to the web-based YouTube, which is the interface that I'm used to using. And you get the benefit of what YouTube offers you there. Um, Ismail, TK, how do you make the Photo Pro app on the on the Mark II the default app for the shutter? Very simple. Go into the standard camera application, go into the settings tab. So go into that little gear option at the top right. I'm saying gear, but it could be like at the sandwich option. And then at the bottom, there is a quick shortcut configuration. That's where you change it. It'll have three options. It'll have the standard app, which is what you're probably getting right now. So if you press and hold, it only opens up the standard camera. The second one will say camera pro. And then, uh, oh no, second one will say open app and take a picture. Third one is the one you want. And it'll it give you the ability of basically turning on uh, the camera pro. So hopefully you could do that pretty quickly. Um, weird enough, when I first talked to Sony um, during one of their uh, pre-briefings pre that we were working with them, um, they mentioned to me that it was supposed to be uh, the camera pro by default. So somehow something changed and automatically opens up this one. So Again, uh, when you're using the shutter button, you're not going to be using that to take a selfie. Obviously, it's always going to be for the back. So hopefully that kind of got you got you going, uh, uh, Samuel. Um, Ismail, sorry. And let's jump back into Aditya. So they're selling the purple variant for the equivalent of 1400 Wow. Why is there? Okay, I'm interested to find out why is there a price? Uh, why is there a price premium for the purple? I mean, okay, now we know. I guess we'll go in with the white one. I'll keep the twelve hundred. Uh, I think I think the purple one is definitely going to be the more unique one. Sony does really nicely with the, with purple colors. I wish I have a way of basically getting some of their uh, their uh, you know their promos that they do. Thank you for the for the input at DT. I, I appreciate that. But yeah, wow, it's an extra two hundred just for a color. I'm hoping it's just a carrier. Um, so why are we still using the daily motion as the YouTube replacement? So that's also, that's also another option. Yes, I don't, I haven't used that one. Um, I like to keep it, uh, very easily accessible. I think opening a web app for me still works about the same, uh, because for the most part, it kind of gives me the same UI that I'm used to using. So I don't have to switch over from YouTube. Uh, that, you, that, um, that one that I mentioned to you guys, I think it's called the, uh, uh, yeah, so the PlayTube, it literally, I mean, there are even the PlayTube app, it's, it should be available as well. So Daily Motion will also work as well for you guys. I have the P44 Plus. How come the uh, the Zoom is better than the S20 Ultra at the 128? Um, it's the uh, it's hard to explain uh, the overall, I think, like when you start talking about reach, it is a different sensor in the sense of what what is set up. I think the overall Zoom level at 108 
uh, both of them are for the most part actually just cropping in after a certain point so it's a digital zoom so Huawei decided to go a little further than uh, than Samsung doesn't necessarily make it a better uh, you know a usable picture in my opinion I think it's definitely something to kind of show off like hey look how far my phone can see kind of thing uh, but as I showed you guys with those pictures, uh, when we got down to the point where we're looking at the grassy area, the, there's so much processing done and blending with colors that it doesn't actually look like you can identify. You can just see if there's somebody in the picture, but who that person is isn't really a functional thing. Uh, so yeah, no, it's purely a set of uh, basically what what the, the, the designers or I think the UI UX a configuration is that we're going to zoom slightly higher on that, and we're giving you that much as far as the hundred you know the hundred X zoom. On, on both sensors uh, between the Sony and, and Samsung, uh, sorry, between uh, Huawei and Samsung. I think realistically, I, th I would say 10X is where you really want to be able to uh, compare. Compare the 10X zoom to what you get from the Huawei device and what you get with, with Samsung, and that's when you start seeing some of the main differences there. Optical always beats digital, hands down. Um, here, let's see here. Mohammed, uh, he said, I have to, oh, sorry. We were just talking about that with you, Mohammed. Uh, here, Davis, uh, yeah, so uh, it's under $1,100. So I think it depends on the market and it also depends on the resellers that you're looking into. Uh, but again, if if they have it, that's the other problem, right? Uh, uh, you know, it's not available in Hong Kong, but it's available in Europe right now uh, here. Uh, and I think also some of them may be also doing price, config, uh, price control. So they're also trying various based on regions. Yes, it does, definitely. Uh, Goran Petrovic, uh, did you see the Meizu phones? Thoughts on the new HTCs? Uh, I haven't seen, I haven't caught too much information on the new Meizu ones. Uh, HTCs are, it's, it's an interesting story, right? I mean, so HTC kind of goes quiet for a while and then they show back and, and um, they're, they're focusing on mid-rangers. They're focusing also on the Korean market right now. So the devices that they launched, I think we saw them, at, I think was it Tuesday or Monday? Um, the two devices are U devices, and uh, you know, obviously, they're focused on the on the Korean market. There will be more than likely very variants of them that come in later on. Um, I, I think I think HTC in a in a more of a I don't want to say a cruise mode, but I feel like they needed to. We needed them to step up, but they're basically focusing on like, look, uh, we're gonna we're gonna provide a couple of devices. They're gonna be mid rangers. They're gonna look unique, but they're also gonna be following on the U series that I think a lot of people kind of just. Um, we're expecting more and i think that's probably where you know when your expectations is high and then you get mid you you're a little bit thrown off i think it's a good offering uh again keeps htc in the conversation but unfortunately just not competing in the and the same at the same level as some of the other manufacturers mid-rangers again we'll have to see if they do come out to other markets uh current launch is purely in uh in korea uh and what what have what have you seen on the meizu side any any new meizu uh meizus are always unique i love them they're very nice in, uh, in what they offer. Oh, sorry, that was Goran again. Um, so Joey's basically uh, tech by ships worldwide and, uh, and has the Xperia 1 Mark II for nine a thousand seventy two tax free, free shipping to all colors. So here we are. Joey's recommending it. I I haven't checked it out myself. Uh, let's see if we can check them out real quick. So here, Joey's recommending tech buy. Oh, Tico buy. bring them up here so tico buy will be able to provide shipping in just a quick moment so it looks like it's loading yes so uh oh okay i'll have to check them out price here so let's see sony oh they even have the f2 pro which is nice 
Okay, I, I think I'll probably need, oh, actually, maybe if I just say Xperia sewing. Xperia 1ii. Oh, wow, guys, it's even lower. Oh, no, this is the Sony Xperia 1. Sorry, I was like 984. I'm like, what do you mean? No, um, it looks like it's actually not a bad. Uh, they didn't. Here it is. Okay, so um, Joey, just as a heads up, they are providing lower prices, but uh, I'm not sure what the A dollar stands for. I, I'm assuming that's Australian then, because it says fifteen hundred dollars, fifteen hundred and forty-four dollars for the purple Sony Xperia One Mark II, uh, the A two fifty-six model, uh, and it did drop from eighteen hundred and fifty-two. I'm assuming, yeah, we'll have to we'll have to check it out. But thank you, thank you for the recommendation on on Tico Buy. I'll definitely check that out uh, later on when I have a chance. It just it seems like the price point is a little bit higher, and I'm assuming the A dollars is Australian dollars. I could be wrong. Yeah, uh, it has to be because I don't know why it's so much. And then of course they accept PayPal international stuff. Um, we'll have to check them out. But thank you, I appreciate that down there. Um, Oh, Sajid, is there, is there, hi. Is there a way to unlock the bootloader on the newer Huawei's or Honor devices? I'm not sure about funky or the funky Huawei service anymore. Um, are there any developers uh, developments for the Huawei phone? I really like Huawei devices. So currently, the way things are, uh, with the fact that a the pricing availability and the fact that we don't have GMS, so the not everybody's buying them. Uh, development on devices from Huawei without using funky Huawei type of services like the workarounds uh, is very, very minimalistic. Even if you're able to unlock your your device to find mods or uh, operating systems that basically or you know, custom ROMs for these devices are going to be limited for quite some time. Um, it, Huawei ended the program for unlocking bootloaders quite a while ago, and they did that uh, on purpose for citing security. They wanted to make sure that their devices are more secure. Uh, and uh, sadly, that's something that we kind of, uh, it, it for the most part, kind of just, I wouldn't say destroyed it, but kind of just brought it down to a very small, minimal experience. Uh, Funky Huawei was the only one that was able to find different uh, methods for most users to be able to do with the, with the ease because unlocking the bootloader generally uh, does require a lot more. Uh, in, for, for a while, it required it. Basically, it's a code, right? And so uh, the way Huawei and Honor do it is you need a special custom code that allows you to unlock that specific bootloader that's on your device. And not only that, you need to be able to do that on, the, on a mass scale for us to be able to have enough development on it for it to make sense. I love Huawei devices as well as Honor devices. And I feel like what you get there is, you know, right now, the best way to do it is realistically just get Google Play services or GMS installed, you know, sideload that in there, and you'll, you'll should be able to still get the same experience roughly. And of course, you're able to install like a custom launcher um, if you want to be able to change the experience personally, if you want to, and go from there. But uh, unlocking the bootloader right now is a little bit, it, it's an uphill battle. It's an uphill battle that just keeps getting harder. Uh, that's why we, you know, at least here, for me, I appreciate companies that allow us to, uh, you know, Xiaomi doesn't like right out of the box allow you to do it, but you can sign up, give it the, you know, go through the waiting period and you can still unlock your bootloader. And that's something that's really nice. Uh, but I think Huawei and, and, and Honor, for the most part, kind of closed that door without having to find other circumventing options. Um, Ahmed, for, uh, for the, yes, I, I will put that link. I'm assuming you're talking about the Tikubai. I'll include that link for you in the description uh, as soon as the video is over. Uh, Aditya, and, uh, wow, how can there be a big difference? I, I think it's a, it's a market issue. Uh, so 
Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, Joey. Joey's like, TK, you're running on the wrong price point. I, it does sound like it's Australian. You, you know, it, there is a big A in there, but uh, subtotal, I don't see this. Uh, I'll have to maybe proceed to check out. I will have to check it out. Uh, but uh, it does say 1,544 Australian dollars. I think the A is for the Australian dollar. Check out as guest. We'll continue. And yeah, it's set. Oh, interesting. It only supports Australia or New Zealand for, for cost. Um, either way, I think what we can do is obviously here, let's see if we can do a Google search, see if that converts it into US. Here we are. Uh, you know, it would be nice if I say two. Here it is, two USD. Um, Okay, trying to do this live requires more work, uh, but yeah, no, I I, I gathered I gathered the difference was uh, mostly in the U in the currency as does actually say that. Uh, Gokul, hey, hey, how you doing, man? I like it. Goku, it's close enough to Goku, by the way. Um, now while we have uh, okay, now while we I had ha now while we I have the uh, the ability to upload apps data like WhatsApp, and it's open direct when you restore it, no SMS, no, uh, no verification. Um, so that was one of the biggest things. If you used Google Backup and Restore on WhatsApp, it wasn't having a problem to download because you couldn't log into the Google account. That was the biggest limitation. That's why I'm saying is sideloading the Google GMS functionality will circumvent that issue. Uh, if you use other methods to backup and restore, then yes, there should be no issue with WhatsApp. Uh, but I think my, my personal recommendation is uh, obviously, uh, just make sure you don't lose your data when you're transferring your information. And if you're able to do the GMS sideloading, do it right at the beginning before you install any of your applications, because it does require to restart and to go through a whole bunch of options. It's better to do it on a clean install in case you do need to do that. Uh, yes, <laughs> that will drop. Uh, your, your perspective currency are up on the top left. Dude, Joey, you're helping me a lot here. Here it is. Okay, here you are. USD, top left. First time using their site. That's probably why. So, uh, yeah, now it's starting to give me dollars. And interesting. So it cleared my <laughs> it cleared my shopping cart. So here, Xperia. One. I, I. 1,079. Purple one. Available now. At the cart, I'm going to check out right now. I'm no, just kidding. Um, let me research it a little bit more. I not not per, sorry, Joey. Not that I don't. Uh, it's not a trust situation. It's more of the I don't tend to buy things from sites I haven't used before without finding out a little bit more about them and uh, making sure that we're doing things the right way. Uh, it's definitely interesting that they have it. It is selling at a sale for a thousand seventy nine. That's at one hundred and ten dollars less than what Sony is selling it for, uh, and it is in stock. It is the purple one. Um, and it is a uh, Cinewide display, 12 megapixels. Let's add that into the thing features. Yeah, no, this, this is, it seems legit. Thanks, man. I, I will have to be, if this ends up working for me, I'll, I'll make sure to link this to all my, uh, all my options here. Oh, wow. I clicked the link so many times, guys. Uh, it thought that I wanted to add, uh, the Sony Xperia four times. So it was quoting me a $4,300 price point. I'll have to check that out. Well, I'll let you guys. I'll keep. I'll give you guys posted if I'm able to go through and get it from there. I just purchased from them the Z. Oh, the XZ2 and the XZ3 previously. Thank you, thank you. 
Um, do you think that the flagship phones, which will be launching um, in Q2 phase, uh, the, the second part of the year, obviously, will be launching with, uh, will come with Android 11 out of the box? So, Cyvinel, um, realistically, I don't think any device, uh, well, take that back. I think in Q4 and only in the latter part of Q4 is when we'll start seeing devices ship with Android 11. Android 11 will not be launched officially till somewhere September, October. So that kind of gets us to the Q4 already anyways. And even then, the Pixel 5 will be more than likely the first phone to ship with it because most OEMs will be releasing their version of uh, Android 11 around the time when Google releases it. And in, in theory, that's generally when it's final. And the devices that are launching close to that launch time have already had their software built, done, and updated to the point where it's ready to ship. So they go through a manufacturing cycle and they have to have a certain build, like an, um, think of it like a stock image of the device that they're able to test all the hardware that they're doing. And they generally don't do that with a new version of Android. They'll do it on something that they've used for some time, that they test it out. They know all the kinks, the ins and outs of it. So they'll they'll launch them with Android 10 and maybe a quick update to 11. But I don't think there's going to be many launching with Android 11. Um, in the past, I think we've seen LG do that a couple of times where they relaunched devices with it. Uh, but even then, it was literally like there'd be one device or so. I think 2021 is when we'll start seeing more devices if um, not releasing with it, but also getting the updates. Uh, let's see what we have. Uh, Aditya, yeah, I have no clue to be honest. Uh, they're selling the Xperia 1 at near uh, launch price even now. So, you know, they, uh, they might be playing with a profit right there. Yeah, I, I can imagine, definitely. Um, here, uh, oh, no, so that was Aditya there. I remember it correctly. Um, I used them, and oh, I need to check that first, of course. Uh, Trovic. So especially since I, it involves internet. Yeah, exactly. That that was my thing. I need to double check. The good thing, though, is that they do accept PayPal, which to me is a very good functional way to, to kind of just gauge. So you update the shopping cart. Uh, but having it for a thousand, like seriously, like, this actually makes it more compelling uh, at, at that price point, 1079 even uh, at the, with the purple color. I'll give it a second to update proceed to checkout. I just want to see how much they're charging for shipping, uh, especially when I change the region. So here we'll say check out as guest. Okay, we'll give it a second to finish up. Uh, but yeah, so the, the few things that are going on, and I think let me double check and make sure we talked about, oh, there was another thing I did want to talk to you guys about. Um, and that was, and let's bring this back here. So um, one thing that I, I we, was posted over, sorry, I'll, thank you, Dave, Aditya. So one thing that was posted over on uh, XDA's website, and this is something that could potentially be really cool for us, especially for TCL fans. Now, as you guys see right there, the TCL 10 5G was intended to be mostly a device that was launching in Europe as a 5G device. TCL was releasing the 10L and the 10 Pro in the US unlocked on online retailers. So Amazon and, and of course, uh, other online retailers. Uh, but the possibility of them coming in as a sub-brand or basically a rebranded Revel. So the Revel series in the US are generally rebranded devices by either TCL or also known as Alcatel or even HTC uh, devices that T-Mobile will basically sell as they are basically, I would say, budget-friendly devices. So the, 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 the article that was posted by Max over on XDA talks about the T-Mobile Revel 4 Plus. Uh, that could potentially be the 10L and, of course, the T-Mobile the uh, Revel 5G, which ended up basically being the 5G model that was going to Europe. 
Uh, now the 10, 10L and 10 uh, 5G have similar uh, form factors, except that the processor is the 765G that's present on the 10 5G as opposed to the 665. So there's a big leap in performance between the two, of course, with uh, the 5G connectivity. Uh, both will support six gigs and it looks like they're basically 128 gigs of storage on the 5G model. 4,500 milliamp battery, slightly bigger to come to obviously compensate for the batter for the uh, requirement for the 5G modem. Uh, 4K 30 on uh, maximum on both of them. Uh, Front-facing camera is going to be similar. So a lot of similar things going on between the two devices that I really, I, th I think this is something going to be interesting to see how they sell. So the 5G and the 10L and the 10 Pro are all sub $500 devices from TCL. So this was definitely an exciting thing that I saw. I felt like maybe we can definitely talk about that a little bit as uh, we, you know, we haven't really heard much as far as uh, what's going on with, uh, let's go ahead and do, boom. Uh, a, lot, a lot going on with TCL for some time. Uh, and of course, the, the 5G was the next one that was going to be launching. So I hope you do see that in the US. Uh, I think it's a great value, a great feature, and a lot of people will appreciate having something like that um, on in their price point. You know, it's a nice price point, good features. And um, the 10L is at $250. So if T-Mobile brings it in at $250, absolutely will sell no questions about that it's going to remove that one there um other than that kind of like recapping with android uh with android 11 1.1 sorry 1.5 so they, they did an update to the beta 1 to the beta 1.5 uh a lot of it is under the hood fixes but the big difference that they did fix here is uh, on if you haven't well if you're using the uh the beta and you haven't noticed what thing it is obviously uh the Google Pay, the, the little function that right there that we have in the center, uh, hopefully I can get the E right there. So Google Pay was was not working with some users, so it broke it whenever they installed the Android 11 beta one. Uh, that's something obviously that a lot of people rely on it, especially if this, this is their main device. Um, other than that, I think overall, all the features that they announced were all present in here. There's a few things that were still missing, but again, beta one. So 1.5 fixed the Google Pay function, and now it's available, and you should be able to use it. So if you had the problems, uh, this one did come as an OTA, just as a reference. I did not have to sideload this as an entire update. So when I went from uh, developer preview four to the beta one, I did have to sideload it as I had, some, I had some problems there, but now it works perfectly fine. Uh, the other, the developer preview three to four, you're also able to update but I think beta was a big difference between the two. Um, and then the last thing I definitely want to talk to you guys about is uh, here, oh, before we go, TK, your, uh, your, your, oh, your sideline, the article is taking up most of the screen. <laughs> It, it's on purpose it's on purpose yeah it, uh, but yeah i think you guys have seen it before i think juan did that where if i bring in an article it throws me into that little window on the side oops sorry other side and then of course the other side kind of goes in much bigger so now we're all three together you and i everything working there um oh, let me just go ahead and i'll remove this one jump back uh, so I, uh, the IR 1980 says, any reason as to why more manufacturers are providing a beta of Android 11 compared to previous, sorry, one second. So uh, the question the IR1980 is asking is, is there any reason why uh, more manufacturers are providing a beta for Android 11 compared to previous years? Um, have Google made it easier in the current Android 10 operating uh, OS? So that was actually, it's a very good point. Uh, last year when I was at IO, that was one of their biggest uh, announcement that they did. It was actually kind of a side, it was a side session room that a lot of people had access to media. Uh, and that was really interesting. Uh, I feel like OEMs have had, so let, let's just say this. If there's one thing that we know that Pixel devices have that no other OEM has is 
timely updates to the next version of Android as soon as it's released. Now, what happens when that happens when that gets announced? The first thing that happens is everybody that owns a device from another company, like say Huawei, uh, not necessarily specifically Huawei, but like Huawei, Samsung, Xiaomi, uh, all of them, Oppo, all of these uh, companies. Uh, they'll start asking it, when are we receiving our version of Android? When is Android going to become to my device? So that's always going to be the question, right? That's uh, it's And it's by nature because we want to be able to run the latest version. We see all these cool features kind of being announced by Google, but it almost sounds like it's coming to something else. Starting with Android 10.0 uh, last year at Google I.O., we noticed a much bigger presence of other OEMs at the at the actual event. And that's because they're starting to actually work with Google on the development of Android. And they're actually being able to work with them earlier than when we normally see. So an example would be this. For, for OnePlus to be able to release their version of the beta the way it is right now, they had to have had access to that data before Android 11 was released for us as the beta one that we normally able to download. So I think Google benefits from working with other OEMs because of a couple of things. A, they have access to the other OEMs beta group. So not only are they able to run their own beta, now the other OEMs are also able to provide beta systems there. So if you think about it from a data gathering point of reference, it's a perfect storm, not storm, but a perfect scenario where it allows the one source, obviously Google's uh, you know, research, and of course, being able to get all these trouble tickets, uh, it gives us just a much wider net to cast. Pixels are great, but not everybody owns a Pixel. Huawei devices, a Xiaomi, Samsung, Oppo, uh, OnePlus, they have a much bigger ecosystem present that's currently obviously able to support more beta users. So for that fact, you're definitely seeing the benefit of where Google would have from bringing in the OEMs into the conversation. And I think that's what's going on right now. They're in the conversation. They want to be able to provide the input back to Google, but they're also able to work with them to get our, us, like the users, earlier access to these uh, to these software builds. Where I hope we'll have to we'll see basically how things go is that. I want OEMs not just to get the latest version of Android and release it on the next version of the smartphone that they're going to be releasing, because you know how they do it, right? They'll release a new version of Android, and then it'll be releasing on the next shiny new develop, uh, you know, launch device that they're going with, and then it ends up being a waiting scenario of when are we going to get it on existing devices? You know, like if I buy my phone now, like the Mi 10, right? Um, it's running in beta right now, right? But when will it officially be available on the Mi 10? And is it going to be, you know, at around the same time as maybe whatever the next Xiaomi phone that's going to be releasing around Android 11 launch? So those are the things that I feel like, I feel like it's a, sorry, kind of went big picture, small picture kind of thing. Um, one of the reasons why they're there, one of the main reasons why I'm very appreciative of them being in the game and in the conversation now. I appreciate that from them. Um, so what do you think about the Xperia 1 Mark II price? Right now, I think, as as you guys, as you probably saw a little bit earlier, Omar uh, Omar Ali, um, there's a big difference in where you get it, from whom you get it, in what country you get it, as to how the pricing is going. It's going somewhere between 1,080 to all the way up to 1,400, as uh, I think it was Aditya mentioning about the purple version variant of the Xperia 1 Mark II. Um, the best way I'll describe it as this. I don't think Sony is trying to compete in the exact same way as most manufacturers are trying to compete, right? They're saying the improvements that we've done over the Xperia 1 Mark, first generation, the Mark 1, um, are providing us enough of a difference and enough of a benefit that they want to basically say that justifies the price increase. The Xperia 1 launched... Uh, 
sorry. Um, I just caught a message. Uh, the Xperia one has, uh, has had some, some, some issues with the fingerprint sensor and obviously with Android upgrading and all of that good stuff. One of the things that we definitely have here is that they've upgraded a lot of stuff. They changed the sensors. We have five, well, not in the US, but we have 5G technology, the brand new Snapdragon 865. Uh, the fact that we have not only wireless charging, but we also have the headphone jack that was brought back with a DAC. So those are the things that they're charging premium charge for. And again, the Camera Pro application, all of the development that they put in there. So I don't feel like it's such a big difference. I think it qualifies after using it. I, I think it definitely commands that price. Um, and I think as time goes on, we'll probably see the price drop a little bit to kind of obviously compensate for the market itself. Uh, I think if you appreciate what the Sony Alpha Team cameras provide you, this is going to work great for you. If you're comfortable paying $1,000 or $800 or $900 for a Sony camera to get that experience from it, it's just a handheld portable camera, this is going to be in the same realm. I don't really feel like it's going to be that big of a difference. Uh, it is hard once you start seeing, obviously, some of the things that they're taking out. So we don't have 5G in the US and so on. But you have to kind of, again, make that decision as to what you value most out of your smartphone experience. Uh, is it the cameras? Is it the, uh, you know, the, the project-based Sony Alpha experience kind of an experience? Or are you looking for more of... Uh, you know, whereas much better, like an all rounder kind of situation where like Samsung devices or iPhones are going to be providing you. I think the price point is definitely uh, up higher than what it was last year, but I feel like they have a way of explaining it. Um, is it worth the 1200? I think right now it is. I think it is worth well 1200. Um, and unfortunately in the US though, if you keep in mind uh, it's 1200 plus tax, so it's like about 1300 or so. So it is definitely a little bit more. Um, Oh, hey, man. No, yeah, no, I know. Uh, we're, we're at like an hour and a half. I think we're probably going to shoot for about two hours. So hopefully in, in the near, hopefully, you know, we'll see how things go with the conversations. Um, hi there. Is there any reason why most manufacturers do not install IR, um, the IR piece um, on their devices? Thanks for answering uh, from Israel. Hey, um, Golan. Uh, so I'm assuming you're thinking about the IR blaster, uh, which is something that we've seen. Uh, and Oh, sorry. So this one doesn't even have... Uh, I want to say, yeah, no, no, it is actually present. Sorry, my mistake. So the Mi 10 has that. So the IR Blaster is a, it's kind of like one of those features that kind of became popular. Uh, LG was popularizing it a lot. Huawei has it in there. Um, and I think it's a simple, just, it's hard to kind of tell, but if you look, let's see here. Well, I'm going to bring it to you. So right there, that little dot in the center is an IR Blaster. It's becoming more of a feature on high-end phones, uh, and I think it's mostly because of hardware, and it is basically where they noticed not a lot of people used it. Uh, a lot of manufacturers do their own research as to what they feel is the user's uh, basically main concerns. Um, IR plasters, even though they're present, I can... So I'll say this. I've known or I know that a lot of my devices have IR blasters in them, but I generally never pick up my phone to change the channel. I feel like people that value that, that have used that feature over the years from one device over the other, obviously this is a much more of an important feature for you. But I feel like most users don't necessarily turn that on. I feel like the FM tuner has also kind of had that kind of experience. Not every manufacturer has it. Also, not every manufacturer includes the headphone jack that is, ends up being the antenna for the tuner. So uh, I think at the end of the day, it's a feature. Hopefully, it'll uh, it'll still stay around more and more. Uh, but again, appreciative, obviously, if you use it and you value it, you're obviously going to keep looking for it. So my goal is um, hopefully we'll see more. It is present. Uh, but again, for me, with the fact that even my Xiaomi has it or even with the P40 Pro, I haven't turned on the app. I, did the la I think the last time I did that, was a few devices ago where I turned it on. I think it was on either an Oppo device or something like that. And I used it a couple of times, but then 
Um, I'm more of a personal where if I'm home and I'm walking around the house, I'll keep my smart my smartwatch on me for notifications. So if in case I need to access it, but I sometimes even forget my phone in the office and I'm walking around. So it, it never really becomes a big thing on my end. So I hope I hope that kind of answers your questions. But at the end of the day, we'll have to see how manufacturers see it as a value. Um, so here, Omar Ali is saying, uh, basically, uh, for just such a device where there is no suppliers uh, in our... Uh, so exactly, uh, that was the biggest thing that I was looking at that realistically from the Middle East section. There is a demand. There's a lot of people that appreciate the Sony brand. Uh, but as far as importing it in, it ends up basically jumping the price quite a bit. When you think about that, it starts at 1200 Then the importer has to basically add their own profit margin on top of that, as well as shipping charges that they're having to pay. It just makes it so expensive that the very few that will end up basically buying it. I hope that Sony changes and that they're able to basically switch back and go into uh, back into the Middle East uh, market because it, it covers a lot of other markets. It's not like one specific country. The Middle East is such a vast environment and... I can say personally from the way I grew up, at least back in the day, that I know that as a fan, my family valued Sony. Sony brands were always held at a much higher stand, a stance as far as value than other devices because we knew the quality of the work that Sony devices brought in. So that's why I'm really surprised that they're not putting in or at least staying in that market right now. Uh, he, because... Uh, why are companies focusing on big screens um, uh, on, on on us where it's clearly people still love the five to five and a half inches phones uh, with no bezels? Uh, so we're seeing a little bit of a mixed experience right now, right? So we're starting to see uh, the best way to describe it. So once once Apple decided to go to a, you know the, to the massive display and copy everybody's uh, existing setup. Um, a lot of people started realizing that, yes, we're we're looking at large displays. So the 6.5, 6.7 inches almost becoming the standard now. I feel like five to five and a half with no bezels is definitely very nice. So that's really where we start talking about uh, like smaller form factor. Because even this, the OnePlus 8 is also like a six point, uh, six point plus inch uh, display. Uh, this one's actually on the Pixel, 1, uh, Pixel 3a. It's small enough. It's easy to use. And I like the functionality. But it's also because the fact the fingerprint sensor here is actually doubling as a gesture function. I'm actually able to open up close uh, notification panel without having to do anything to it. So Going with smaller devices, I think the OnePlus X is going to be definitely something we're going to keep in mind. The iPhone SE 2020. Uh, we're also looking at the Pixel uh, Pixel 4a that's also going to be coming in and not supporting an XL model. So to answer your question, Vikash, I think there are more devices coming as I feel like we're starting to get oversaturated on the high end. I think manufacturers are starting to look at the devices at the smaller, the lower end part. Um Oh, yeah. So do you think all Android phones should have a software support like Apple ecosystem with updates up to five, sorry, um, up to five years? I think software updates should be a very, at, the very, at the bare minimum three years, which is weird because not all OEMs do that. Uh, as far as the five-year support cycle, I feel like it's a little bit it's it's hard from a from a business standpoint on most manufacturers because the software updates that we're looking into realistically um Actually, speaking of which, this actually kind of brought me into it. It's, it's weird that something kind of sparked. I have some content coming out this week, uh, sometime in the middle of the week, that will talk about a product that has a service level that provides five years worth of security patch updates for the said device, and it is running Android. Simple, simple way to say it. But it is done as a software, as a service that you'd end up having to pay for because 
I think most manufacturers bake in for the life cycle and the profitability at the three-year life cycle of a device from inception to end of support. And that's because if in their mind, it's a business cycle, right? Uh, as, they're as they're providing more devices, we generally don't see the same line of devices carrying for too long. So having support for the amount of devices they push out where Apple literally pushes out maybe two or three devices a year, those are easier to maintain two years, three years in the uh, in the long run, as the overall architecture of iOS has a lot less devices to care to care for. Obviously, where if you think of an OEM like Redmi or Xiaomi or even with OnePlus, the amount of devices that they put out not OnePlus but Xiaomi and Redmi kind of thing they they provide so many phones that I don't feel like they have the existing architecture. They should at least from the software patch update uh, functionality should, uh, even if they don't give you uh, operating system upgrades beyond, let's say, the two upgrades that they most people divide or provide us. So it's one of those things that we definitely, I think, need, uh, but I don't think it's the existing ecosystem. Then it hasn't been set up in that way, sadly. Uh, anytime, anytime, Omar. I appreciate it, man. Golan uh, Lavi, uh, I think it's just a Chinese Chinese manufacturer. It, it could be. It, it really could be just the Chinese manufacturers that value the fact of having an IR blaster on their devices. Uh, personally, I think, like I said, it, if it was something that I used more often, that I would have been appreciative of it more. I think once LG kind of stopped carrying it, I think, I'm not even sure if Samsung even had it at one point. Uh, I think it just stopped being a, a feature that I looked for. But it definitely, again, depends on what you're looking into. Uh, I don't think OnePlus carries it either, uh, but like I said, Xiaomi for, for sure. So if you're a fan of the brand, definitely they're always going to be supporting it because I feel like they they have a market and I think their users look for it more. Uh, Davin is asking, TK, I'm just disappointed in the market that has pushed people to bigger phone. Uh, I get it, uh, but I just don't like it. I prefer a smaller footprint, uh, even though I have big kids. <laughs> uh, you're right. Um, I'm, I think... We want to have the, the the choice, and I think realistically, what most people uh, um, so a lot of people are basically just shooting for devices. I think it's because we we consume media a lot on smartphones, right? And the fact of the matter is, the bigger the display that you're able to get with a small amount of bezel, it gives you the best viewing experience. Hence, obviously, where bigger displays work better. Uh, but we actually we kind of forced the market to go there. I mean, if people didn't buy more devices that are larger uh, displays, the manufacturers wouldn't have focused more on it. Uh, they they're following where the dollar spending expenditure is going. Now, conversely, uh, Google is going the other way around. They took out the XL model and only providing a three, uh, basically the standard 4A and the 4A 5G. So those are going to be things that we are going to see how things change. Um, I think with smaller bezels, smaller displays are definitely very functional and definitely very easy to carry. And you don't have to feel like you're carrying this massive little tablet in your pocket. Uh, but there's always going to be a need for both. So I think it, it depends. The choice is always better. That's That that would be my my philosophy. Give us a choice better than not having that. Basically, uh, not just have the choice and have to go straight to the bigger ones. Um, Daniel's question is, TK, um, do you think that next year's flagship phones will be cheaper under 1000 I hope the Snapdragon 875 will be cheaper. Um, I think I think what we're, we're going to see a lot more is the rise of the mid-ranger. And I think what that, that category is going to basically fill in what we used to expect from the sub $1,000. I think what's going to factor in or what's going to differentiate the $1,000 phone are going to be those very specific developments or hardware improvements that were done there that are very unique to those, which 
Um, I think in the general overall usage, as well like daily usage, I think mid-rangers are able to do a lot of the work that the flagships are doing. Fact of the matter is, most mid-rangers that are around the five to six, six, oh, say six to eight hundred dollars, roughly, uh, or five to six, five to eight hundred dollars, are running the Snapdragon eight sixty five. Have five G, uh, you know, namely here. Sorry, we'll bring more phones. Why not? Uh, here, look at this guy. This is uh, about a $500, $600 device that runs 5G. The Black Shark 3 from Xiaomi uh, also uh, runs the brand new 865. The Mi 10 standard model runs the 865. So from a flagship standpoint, I think it's, it's going to end up being basically where they start having those special lenses, like the special hardware that makes it a little bit more special that qualifies it. Um, I don't think the 875 is going to be cheaper than the 865. I feel like at that point, if competition is not more fierce, meaning the Kirin, the Exynos, and the other, and even MediaTek with the, the uh, their processors, are able to bring in in a little bit more for for Procom to feel the pressure to, to kind of be more in the competitive market, it's going to be a little bit different this year. The inclusion of the X55 is just covering everybody. And the 765G from from uh, from Qualcomm is definitely just a great mid-range processor at 5G, which will also bring down the price point. Uh, I just hope that the next generation of it will support the 4K60, which kind of lev levels off some of the main requirements for a lot of creators and the ability of just shooting better video on these devices. But I, my hope is that they are able to provide us sub-$1,000 market uh, devices. Uh, Lava Kumar TK. As a uh, oh Tik, as a user of the OnePlus Z uh, earphone, so yes, we we did a video, a couple of videos here. Uh, but after seeing your review, I wanted to update you that on the full charge from zero to hundred percent. These Wallet Z are taking uh, only about ten minutes exactly, which is absolutely fantastic. Yes, so that's the interesting concept where um, they, even though they came at a cheaper price, they're still giving you some really cool. Uh, charging speeds as well as low latency for gaming in, uh, in in fanatic mode on for OnePlus devices. So I'm glad that you like them. I I like them a lot. I mean, for 50 bucks again, I realize it's it's cheaper in different markets. It's still a budget price point here for us in the U.S. Uh, they're wireless, long battery life, easy charge, much much faster charging. Very very cool. Um, so the rumored to, Pixel 4a is a 5.8 inch. So this is Iran 1988 uh, IR 1980. Uh, it says uh, the Pixel 4a is rumored to be a 5.8 inch, uh, would be brilliant seller for those who love smaller devices. Again, absolutely. I'm a, I'm a proponent for it. I mean, I like this and I didn't think I would enjoy using the 3, uh, the 3a as much as I've been using it. So the last week and a half, I've been doing a lot of uh, testing with uh, the 3a, um, especially since I have the beta one and the beta 1. Well, I'd say 1.5 now. Um, but yeah, I appreciate that. Having, I think, um, I'm kind of sad because I do like the XL, uh, but I, I understand from a price point, it definitely would be a lot cheaper. Uh, uh, so, uh, so Yusuf Ali, kind of, uh, I did an English video that's on the channel that I uh, that I posted about a week ago. Um, let me know in the comments if you if you'd like me to do a video a version of that one in Arabic because I I do have two channels if you guys are not familiar there's the TK Bay which is most what we see and then if you notice here my name on the on the bottom if you search Tariq Bay on YouTube as opposed to just TK and Bay uh, that brings you over to my Arabic channel and um, I think uh, I can definitely do a video but the short answer is automation um, better uh, better uh, permission control. Uh, better music control, and of course, organized messages, and of course, bubbles. They're bringing in the bubbles officially, and native recording, screen recording built in as well. Uh, Motorola are terrible because they release too many phones. Um, 
I think it's we have to keep in mind that Motorola releases too many phones in different markets. They're not all going into the same market. So there's the one series, there's the US market. I think Motorola's approach to a flagship this year is, uh, I would say personally, not my personal cup of tea. I, I don't want to say that it's a bad device. Uh, for me, at $1,000 for the features that they offered, I feel like they could have done more, especially from Motorola, since they've been in the business for so long, they should be able to provide us more. That was my only thing. Uh, I'm not sure if they're, uh, the, the way their their business model is going to be supporting, sustaining it for that long. Um so security updates should be provided straight from Google, major updates by OEMs, by security updates from Google. I think that's true. Uh, I think any update that you're able to provide should be coming straight from Google from the security patch. What I mean by this is anytime an update gets pushed through an update, as in an OTA that comes over the air as an update, it has to go through the OEM, even though it is a Google, unless they're running a stock, like a straight stock experience on their device, which almost none of them do. Even when it looks stock, there's still some modifications. And then when you get on carrier versions of devices, it gets even worse because the update has to go from Google to the OEM, the OEM to the carrier and the carrier than to you, which makes the path much, much longer. Uh, but I agree, they should be doing them much, much uh, for a much longer period of time. Uh, Golan's asking, uh, Nokia just announced uh, uh, the um, announces the March, uh, the, the 8.3 in March, according to rumors, uh, only in August and it will be launched. Uh, <laughs> they, they remind me of Sony Xperia with uh, not going anywhere. They were, it's, I think Nokia as a brand right now it's it's a very unique place to be. I'm glad that they're still in the game, uh, but we definitely have seen different uh, experimentations going on. So we'll have to see if it does actually it does launch correctly in, in August. And uh, for me, at least in the US, uh, when it comes to Sony, uh, you know, announcing a phone uh, at the beginning of June for pre-sale, but then sending it out till the end of July to me is such a long time. Um, but then selling it and then making it available in Europe in wait two weeks of when we started seeing the pre-orders in the uh, in Europe I, it, it's it, it escapes me sometimes how the marketing I think but it is actually region controlled so I feel like it's always been that way uh thank you for uh, bringing out all the Xperia content Xperia on Mark II content all the month uh watching you right now on the Xperia oh my god in NYC dude I am so jealous that you're watching it on the Mark II right now but I congratulations on your Mark II so yeah so I'm, I'm very happy that uh, it's no longer the I'm talking about a phone that nobody has access to. Now a lot of people are having it. Uh, make sure to check out the Xperia, the Xperia, uh, the uh, the subreddit on Xperia uh, over on uh, Reddit. You'll obviously, I'm, I'm, which actually, if you're an Xperia user, more than likely you've already checked that out. So very, very nice, and I appreciate your support, of course. Um, oh yeah, so yeah, de definitely, yeah. Let us know which color did you get, um, um, Alan, uh, Aline. I don't know, um, Aline FX. I'm saying that right. Uh, let me know. Um, Apple, Windows, Google, Ubuntu. Ubuntu all the way, man. Come on. Um, update about the iPhone 5G. Uh, will it be cheap? I think the title, the, the, the question has the answer there. iPhone will never be cheap. Um, I think if there's going to be a cheap version of an iPhone, it'll always end up being basically the SE. So if we do end up seeing an SE 5G, that'll be much later in the in the, in the the stream of things. I think... Um, Apple needs to get on the 5G bandwagon. I think they're kind of coming to it a little bit, uh, waiting till they're able to optimize their experience. And my hope is that we see the 5G uh, technology coming very soon. All carriers have 5G, Verizon, T-Mobile, Sprint, uh, even AT&T. So the fact that they're releasing 4G phones 
that are not capable of 5G in any market is still of a concern because even the Chinese market and the European market are all 5G. So I think Apple is very much poised to, pre to release it. But question is, as far as a what price point and what premium will it be? Meaning if they make a 5G variant of their iPhone, how much more would they charge for? Um, how do I integrate my JVM with my current... Um, so, so Martha, I, 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 as much as I'd love to be able to get into development question, I think that would be more of a uh, a little bit more the direct question. I would definitely post that directly on the uh, on the XDA forums uh, specifically, or uh, try to connect with me a little bit later on with uh, on Twitter. We can maybe talk a little bit more. This isn't it's not that complicated of a request, uh, but depends on what you're trying to actually integrate into your into the kernel. Are you building it from from scratch, or are you actually modifying one? Appreciate it. Uh, oh, yeah. Wow. Okay. I just realized I'm missing a lot of comments. Let me just double check here. Uh, update on the iPhone 5G. We talked about that one. We just covered this one. If you could bring back any technology device uh, from the dead, which one would be? Uh, it's weird, but because we kind of talked about HTC a little bit, I would definitely bring back the HTC, uh, the M7. So the first uh, HTC front-facing speakers, the boombox, uh, the speakers on there, and update that with the with the latest internals. The, the form factor, smaller device, nice display, uh, obviously with the minimal bezels, with the new technology on, on displays that we have now with the 865 and the boombox, hands down, looks amazing. Uh, always felt nice and cool, the steel metal back on it, it was always nice. I'm a big HTC fan. Uh, my initial uh, experience with mobile devices when we first started on and on Windows Mobile was on actually the, like the HTC Touch, um, the MD5, uh, all the slider phones from HTC. Those they they did a much better job back then, and that's why I'm I'm a little bit not to say concerned, but I'm worried about the direction that they're trying to go with as opposed to going to flagship and trying to push the barrier, the the limit or the functionalities we get out of smartphones to going straight into mid rangers. Uh, do you feel like something like the Android One will still be relevant? I think in, in in emerging markets, the Android One ecosystem is definitely very relevant, and I feel like Motorola is carrying that conversations a lot more. Um, Android One, as you guys are familiar with, is more much more of a uh, lower spec requirement version of Android that enables you to basically have Android running on uh, lower price point, easier to access. Uh, different markets are able to bring it in at a much lower pr uh, price, and of course, uh, it does actually get some updates from Google. It's not as obviously robust as the full version of uh, what we usually get with OEM versions uh, from Android, but definitely. Uh, very strong, and I feel like it still is something that we need to have because it gives us the spectrum, right? We're able to look at the standard Android, uh, normal Android uh, integration, basically like the more stock experience. You get the OEM skin version that we get, it, obviously, with higher-end models with the uh, you know, Oppo, Xiaomi, and so on. And then you get the Android One, which I feel like kind of marries a good combination of the mid-ranger and uh, basically a version of Android that runs on lower specs, which, again, still works really nice. So I definitely think it's part of the conversation. I think it needs to stay there. I, I really don't think this should be going away. Um, Motorola is not used to be, but I, uh, but uh, yes. So it essentially is a sub brand of Lenovo now. That's that's true. Lenovo does own the actual brand itself. Uh, here, uh, so he got the standard black, which uh, which was uh, either waited forever or for the purple to get the black on. I'm with you, right? You either got the black one right now because the purple will sell out right away. Hey, Omar. Uh, makes sense. Makes sense perfectly. Uh, oh, uh, uh, 
I mean, John, thank you. Thank you very much for the super sticker. I appreciate it. Uh, I'm so I'm kind of surprised. Like sometimes I see them here and sometimes I see it. On, so I don't know if you guys are familiar, but uh, I'm running the live stream. I'm actually one of the viewers on the live stream sitting here because I want to see if it actually still works great. Uh, which, by the way, it seems like the trick that I'm doing to get an uninterrupted thing seems to be working. We'll discuss more later in case um, when it does work. I'm testing it out with a few streams. It worked also on some of my other streams. But thank you very much for the for the super sticker. Always appreciate your support, man. Um, so um, Dirpiana says, hello from Romania. Hey, I pre-ordered the Purple Mark II. Oh, I am so jealous. Uh, I hopefully let me know, let us know what you think. Uh, I, from in pictures, it looks amazing. And I've seen a few videos where it shows it. It's that nice. It's not too deep of a purple, but it's like just exactly what you imagine purple is almost like the purple ish going right there, that little tone, but a little bit deeper. Definitely appreciate that actually almost matches the, uh, the icon that's going for your, for your name right there. Uh, Aditya. I got to head out. Hope you're doing uh, great. Have a good weekend. Take care. Stay safe and stay hydrated. Always, my friend. Aqua. Arrowhead. Not sponsored. Just kidding. Uh, but have fun, man. I appreciate you uh, stopping by. We'll, I'm sure we'll connect a little bit more tomorrow also on uh, Across the Pondcast with uh, Sam and Matt. Um, so question here. Do you think... Oh, so do you think that One UI is better than Oxygen OS uh, in some ways? Um, I, I still prefer Oxygen OS over One UI purely from the sense of the way it works, the, the customization levels that you get. So One UI is very, I think, let me one step back. One UI has gotten a lot better. One thing that I don't understand why Samsung still does this today is that they include the GoodLock application as a separate app. All the functions, all the things that they include in GoodLock, which really make One UI a very powerful tool or very powerful, uh, basically, skin over Android, um, is beyond me. A lot of those things should be standard built in as opposed to people having to find out about them later because this doesn't automatically tell you about it. Like if I if I unlock, unbox my OnePlus, sorry, my uh, S20 Ultra, and I never knew about one, uh, the Good Luck app, it never prompts me for it. It's not available through the standard Google Play Store. It's available only through uh, the Samsung or the Galaxy Store. Now, while we do get a lot of functions in One UI, and it definitely is a lot better in that sense, it's still something that you have to kind of go get and install and set up and customize with those additional apps that are not native in there. I think ColorOS does better as far as a updates, uh, speed, performance, tweaks. They listen a lot more to their community. I feel like uh, than what we see with Samsung. Samsung's more on their own schedule. They'll release things and they'll incorporate things. Where with uh, Color, uh, sorry, with uh, Oxygen OS. You know, OnePlus listens to their community. If there's enough people talking about a certain bug in the community, it gets built into the next update. Uh, they also have a parallel path for both standard and beta channels for their software where One UI doesn't. One UI pretty much runs in the, uh, basically in the, uh, I would say the commercial or the official channel where OnePlus and Oxygen OS runs beta and official parallel side by side. And you can... You can be on the beta for as long as you want and get updates all you want uh, and stay ahead of the new features that are coming into ColorOS. Uh, sorry, keep saying ColorOS, Oxygen OS. So I'm hoping that kind of answers your questions there. Uh, the HTC One M7, please, no question. Yes, that's it's a classic. It's, it is a phone that I think a lot of people will appreciate, even in 2020. I think uh, for people that don't even know what the M7 is, uh, or even maybe if they remember the M10 or the M9, 
definitely. The U series has a lot of heritage from that device. If you think of it, like the aesthetics and the way the look of the device, but I feel like still the M7 just for some reason has that spot. It's kind of like the uh, the Nexus One when that first came out. Um, question here: Where is the Blackberries? Where is Blackberry? Blackberry is gone. Blackberry. It, it's gone sadly they they discontinued it uh the the brand as as a license actually is no longer refined. the key two i think was the last phone released from blackberry and i think that was pretty much what they have uh sadly that's unfortunately something that is where i'm hoping they do get picked up again um especially with the customizations versus early uh updates to the oxygen uh, oxygen os so yeah I, so when we talk about customization i feel like oneplus has has some options that are built in, but we don't have like third party, not third party, but like additional apps you can download, right? Everything is baked into Oxygen OS. One UI, you do need to download GoodLock if you're in a market that GoodLock is supported. That's the other thing. They provide GoodLock in certain market, but not all. And then if you want to install it somewhere else, you have to kind of uh, jerry-rig that in there and use, uh, I think was it, not GoodLock. Uh, there's another app, I forget the name of it, and I've done videos on it. I don't know why. Uh, but yeah, so I, I think, they're they're better they're both great systems one, uh, one ui has gotten a lot better and definitely something that you you can definitely use and not have any problems with but if you have the ability of going between the two i feel i still feel like the overall fluidity of oxygen os and maybe because it looks a little bit more like stock android it's not exactly stock probably that's why i'm i'm, I'm kind of leaning more towards it uh, but they're both very strong um have you tried the MIUI 12 yet? Um, so MIUI 12, I, I've been wanting to install it. So I do, I want to make sure to clean up my stuff off of here and install uh, the Android 11 beta, which for the most part should be what MIUI 12 is actually based off of on the Mi 10. So uh, hopefully within a week or so, I'll be able to do uh, some uh, beta software. So the uh, OnePlus 8, I'm going to be running the uh, OnePlus beta. And of course, the Xiaomi uh, beta here that we have on the Mi 10. So hopefully very soon, you'll be able to see some information on that, Kevin. Uh, camera, uh, the camera on the Xperia 1 Mark II, is it much better than the Xperia 5? Yes, yes, there's a big difference. Uh, the Xperia 5 has the exact same sensors as the Xperia 1. So camera experience, camera applications, a lot of that stuff is definitely very improved. And the focal length is different. So they went away from the existing setup that they had in 2019. So uh, it's just, it's a bigger phone. I would probably recommend you waiting for the Xperia 5 Mark II if you'd like to keep the same form factor and get the benefits there. Uh, Suleiman TK, uh, salute all, uh, all the way from Saudi Arabia. Ahlan, Habibi. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Motorola Edge Plus? Um, I think it's a great phone from the sense of, you know, Motorola being able to step up to the flagship. I think it's a great feature to go there. Um, I'm not sure if it's really justifying the $1,000 price point that it's going for. I feel like it needs a little bit more. But um, for for what they're offering, for for them being so, so into the mid range or the uh, you know devices for quite some time, I think it's a great step up. Uh, I think it, it didn't really land that well in the U.S. market overall. It also is going to be basically, uh, I think, for the most part, um, locked directly into Verizon. So you also want to keep those things in mind. Uh, that kind of limits availability, but. As a device, I think it definitely has its merit. The display, uh, that that one trick that they did there where they enable it to kind of uh, shrink the display from the edges to disable the false touches on the edge is a very unique, interesting experience because on one end, yes, it disables and reduces the false touch on the side. On the other end, you just lost screen real estate to get that feature. And at that point would be, why didn't you just go with a flat display? So it's the aesthetics, you know what I mean? It's like they, they're working 
as opposed to make it better, meaning have less false touches on the on the edges, uh, they gave you a UI element that disables a portion of your display. So it's a good device. I think if you have access to it and you're able to get it at a reasonable price, it's definitely something to consider. Uh, it definitely looks great. They learned a lot from the other flagships on the market. So I, I appreciate them doing that. Uh, Marilyn says, I still have my old M8 in the drawer. Still work. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I think... If I'm not mistaken, the M7 is somewhere here. I don't remember where, uh, but I'm pretty sure I should be able to uh, charge it up. If I just leave it on the charge for some time, it should be able to boot up. I'm pretty sure the dead, the battery's dead on that one. Uh, Peter Durham, uh, hey, same uh, same thing. Uh, the Z Ultra still works without any problem. Oh, definitely. Uh, oh, hey, Peter, how you doing? Uh, Samarth, uh, Samarth uh, Awate, hopefully I'm saying that correctly. Uh, would you believe that Android 10 custom ROM on the Lenovo K5 Vibe five years uh, two day uh, to two gigabytes of RAM? Yeah, again, custom ROMs are a great way to show how much you're able to, to make devices last because they're they're using obviously so you're getting the support from the developer because they more than likely a they have the hardware but b because they're able to basically customize the experience in there to what the hardware on that device so you have to understand they're making that version of the software work specifically for you as opposed to using let's say a gsi based rom so there's always going to be different support but one of the main reasons why first i started to join xda why i love the uh, basically ability of unlocking bootloader and give us the ability of extending the life of our devices but sadly we're starting to get into a time where devices are getting more and more expensive and we're not getting the unlocking functionality available anymore for some carriers you know my hope is that we get that back because after the two years or the three years honestly from a manufacturer standpoint, there's really not much that they're going to do to change the phone. So locking the bootloader and not allowing us to unlock it beyond that time makes no sense. I think they should be able to allow us there. Uh, thanks. So, oh, uh, so Jawa was saying is it, it's it's possible to install face unlock on the Xperia phones. Uh, if you're talking about custom version of it, uh, you should be able to, if you have, uh, obviously, if you have the bootloader unlocked and you're running, uh, let's say a custom ROM or even a recovery, you're able to root your device. Uh, you can try using Magisk uh, to be able to turn that on. But I, as far as I understand, I think these some of, the, the, some of these functions are disabled natively within the ROM, uh, not easily added without actually having native support. So you definitely wanna see uh, if it's something worth adding and it doesn't work well because it could mess other things for you. Uh, which is closer to stock Android, Oxygen OS or the Xperia OS? Oh, that's a tough one because both are customized. Um, I, I want to say they're in the same boat. I, I don't. I think from the user UI, I, I, I take that back. Oxygen, uh, sorry, uh, Oxygen OS. I, I still think Oxygen OS, only because you're able to customize a little bit more. Um, yeah, I, I would have to say Oxygen OS. Xperia is very close, but it's still pretty much the Xperia UI that you're getting there. Peter, exactly. Uh, I think it's both, but I, I feel like still Xperia still is pretty close to that one. Um, realistically speaking, how is the camera performance on the Xperia 1 Mark II uh, compared to the S20 Ultra and the iPhone 11 Pro? Interested to know how much offer better, is it better or worse? Um, I think the best way to describe it is if you're able to spend more time to take pictures with the Xperia because you have the Xperia, the Camera Pro and the, and the and of course Cinema Pro, you're, you're able to get 
uh, great images. And I wouldn't necessarily say they're better or worse. It's not a race because if you're able to get what you want out of your cameras on any one of these devices, I mean, you're talking about three flagship smartphones, both, all of them are $1,000 plus, all have um, unique experiences. So what I would say is this, from an automatic stand, from an automatic mode to be able to go take pictures uh, and take videos and know, you'll know that obviously are gonna look great, especially for the video section. I feel like iPhones do do that job very well. You turn on the camera, you turn on the 4K, uh, and you're pretty much just automated, and everything will be working fine. Not that nothing's wrong with that experience. Uh, Sony won't work out of the box in that way, the same in that same level. You need to spend time to set up your your composition. So the best way to say it is: think of yourself as a photographer, as a videographer, when you're using a Sony Xperia One Mark II, because that's the approach that you'll want to use to be able to get the great content that you want out of that device. Uh, it'll work okay in auto mode, uh, but it, it's again, it works so much better when you're able to basically take your time and compose your subject, compose your scene. Uh, when it comes to Samsung devices, they're very much what you get with iOS on this on the Android side. They're great from an automatic standpoint. You just turn it on, take your pictures. Uh, you get the processing level. You can turn on the beauty modes and so on. So those things are obviously things that you can use. If you value those, I feel like you would probably pick either Android for Samsung or iOS, uh, but I wouldn't necessarily think that as Sony is going to fit the exact experience you're looking for. If you're comparing all three, more than likely, you're not necessarily looking for Sony for what they're known for. You're trying to see it in the sense of what they're comparing to other devices. And I feel like Sony does have a lot more to stand on its own with that one. Um, Teak, oh, yes, yes, we got to do the inception. Hold on a second, guys. I forgot to do it. Let's bring it in. Um, we're almost at the end. So let, let me see here. Can we do this and add it? Yay! <laughs> And I'm doing it big time this time. Hold on, let's see. Can 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 we go crazy with? Oh, I, actually, I I can't. So if I remove, if I add myself, boom, dude, I appreciate you reminding me. I totally forgot about it. I forgot about that one. We got to do the TK Inception every video. Uh, when we're getting because we're getting close to the end. By the way, we're like at around two hours and ten minutes. Um, wow. <laughs> I can't believe it's been two hours. Uh, I, I hope you guys are enjoying the show, of course. Um, but yes, let me see if we can catch a few last few comments in here and make sure I get everybody in here. Greg. Yeah. I mean, no, he reminded me it was, it, it's cool. It's cool. Right. <laughs> oh, the XV one, the ZV one, uh, the Sony one. Yeah, no, man, I appreciate those. Would you say it's good for YouTube content creating? Oh, okay, so let's jump back. I think I just saw, I missed the first question. Pre-ordered the Xperia 1 Mark II um, uh, on, on the 27th. Uh, on the 27th, so five, on the 27th and a half. I'm not sure which one that is. And oh, okay, so you pre-ordered it and um, he's in Germany. Obviously, he's asking regarding content creation. Um, so, that was something that was kind of a challenge for me at the beginning when I first got it. Uh, so first and foremost, I want to say uh, Admiral uh, Kruhio. Hopefully I'm saying that correctly. Thank you for, for the comment there. Uh, Sony Xperia 1 Mark II is a very much a, a director's point of view of reference. So what I mean by that is it's really meant for you to be behind the lens, not in front of it. Uh, the way I was able to work it to be in front of the camera, because again, 
single person creation, content creation, production, all of that stuff. Oh, 27th of May. Thank you. Sorry. I, I, I kind of got it, but it's just because it was the 27.5. It threw me off. I felt like it was supposed to be the 27th. Um, the answer is very simple. Uh, it's great from the camera standpoint because that's how it's sent. You notice all your controls are sent to the cameras in the back. So if you're behind the camera, you're more the, uh, the creator as opposed to being the talent. No question. I think it's going to work great for you uh, because all of the controls are set up on that end. If you're going to be the talent, meaning you're doing both jobs kind of like the way I do it, uh, you are going to need an external display. There's no way of going around that because you need to be able to see what you're going with. Um, the thumbnail that I used for my review on Monday that I posted on the channel is pretty much exactly how I have it. I have a uh, an Atom, um, basically a, a Shinobi small five inch display that I had tr set up on a tripod with a, with uh, basically the smartphone with the uh, Xperia One Mark II. I had an HDMI. I'll take that back here. Hopefully I can show this to you guys. I have an MHL adapter that has an HDMI full output as well as USB. And I ran that one to the display. So it was powering, um, sorry, it was providing the connection to the display. The display was self-powered and that worked really good for me. And then from uh, from microphone standpoint, that's where the three and a half millimeter headphone jack works better because uh, it's we're able to actually not have to rely on the USB-C part, right? So you put your audio in from the headphone jack, you put your USB-C to the external display, and then of course you compose your shot and you basically set the, uh, you know, everything set up in advance and then you're able to initiate the video and you can still see what's going. That works great, uh, but it takes a little bit of a setup. So from a content creation, great if you're on behind the camera. Um, I feel like the front-facing camera is just, I wouldn't use that for creation. I think if it's for a casual picture here and there, it's perfectly fine. Uh, again, I'm not saying it's a bad camera. I'm just saying by comparison, it just doesn't hold the same experience. Um, any any possibility of a OnePlus 8T device? Uh, absolutely. I think if anything, I think OnePlus is already working that. Uh, some of the rumors we're starting to see is uh, obviously the faster charging capabilities that they're trying to bring down. Like if you think about what we see with OnePlus devices is um, the best way to see it is whenever OnePlus, whenever Oppo releases something that is uh, like fast charging or something like that, like what we saw with the Find X2 Pro and even with the QHD, the uh, 120 hertz, we knew obviously that the OnePlus 8 Pro was going to have that. And it, it did. It's a fulfilling prophecy kind of a thing. Uh, so the goal, obviously, I think the 8T or the 8T Pro will provide us very much a close experience to the display with a few tweaks in the background, generally maybe faster charging. So yeah, um, I think it's it has merit. If you went to the 8 or the 8 Pro, not worth it of an upgrade. I think if you're coming from a 6 or a 7, definitely worth it uh, because you'll you'll see some of the new technology that they will carry through 2021. So with that being said, I think I would I kind of reached. Oh no, that one more. <laughs> so we'll answer this one, and I think that that'll probably be our last one. So uh, this is from Doodle Exi uh, Exynos uh, in Info Pion Info Pinion. Oh, Info Opinion. So Info Pinion. Uh, Info Opinion. Uh, Samsung, Samsung members is a cool app for feedback uh, for One UI. Also can join the beta here too as well. Android 9, 10 has also S10 uh, and the Ceramic and the S9 and Note 9. So I've been a member of the, I've used the Samsung members uh, application in the past. Uh, again, it's one of those things you have to keep in mind. Most users, if they're like with the support of most Samsung users, don't know necessarily that the Samsung members actually exist. They'll see the application on their phone, but they won't basically dive into it. It's more the community that OnePlus has. Uh, it's the way it was built. It's like, 
it's almost like the way the story of OnePlus started. It started as a community-based experience. They started with Cyan and Jamon with the OnePlus One, and then from there on, it's always been the community that kind of goes around with it. Uh, one, uh, Samsung focuses more on being mainstream, although they do provide us a lot better, in, uh, uh, basically, options with the Samsung members application. And again, with GoodLock and other things, I feel like they need to do more to involve their consumers the way OnePlus does. Everybody knows about the OnePlus community forums and where you're able to go in there because not only do they run some of their competitions in there, um, OnePlus goes back specifically even on social media to ask their members to go to their community to vote on new features for their operating system. Those are things that you can really appreciate. Uh, Samsung members is a very big community that is growing quite 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 massively. I think if you've used Samsung devices, you wouldn't know about them. Uh, if you've looked into basically what are the other options that you're available. But again, uh, Samsung is one first and foremost trying to shoot for basically mainstream. I think in the mainstream, most users, like you know, um, our friends and family that are not necessarily tech enthusiasts won't look into the Samsung members app. They won't look into GoodLock. They'll be happy with the ways their Samsung device is doing out of the box. And if anything, they'll probably install updates. Uh, and that's pretty much mostly what they're going to do. Uh, at the end of the day, I think Samsung is definitely getting better and learning. All the customizations that we have in the Samsung devices used to be the reasons why I rooted my Samsung device out of the box. And I don't do that anymore. And it's because they've done all of the work, like custom ROMs, not custom ROMs, but like custom themes, um, options to change the recent uh, menu that's something that we used to have to root our device for uh yeah Suleiman, thank you i appreciate you guys coming in hanging out with me i know we're oh yeah wow we're, we're, we're hitting the two hours and 20 minutes um so with that being said i want to say thank you very much to everybody that came in a lot of things coming up hopefully in the near future look forward to uh there's a video for a uh it's a unique piece of hardware. I'd have to say that the video on Wednesday or so is going to be a unique piece of hardware that I feel like you guys may appreciate. Uh, it has some nostalgia factor, but it also kind of feeds into that little thing that I was mentioning to you guys with the whole uh, possibly up to five years worth of support. That's something that we don't see on, on devices uh, in any market. Um, the other thing also, also uh, hopefully we'll have is the F2 Pro. As soon as I get that, I'll be able to put that in for you guys as well. Um, let me know, of course, reach out as if you'd like, uh, here as, as well, TK Bay on YouTube, uh, there's the Arabic channel, which is Tarek Bay, T-A-R-E-K Bay. Uh, I'll, sorry, I didn't mean to move the mouse, but here you'll notice that on the bottom here, right there. So that's just spelled Tarek Bay. That's the Arabic channel. Uh, of course, Instagram and Twitter is TKDSL8655. No idea. Sorry, no idea why I still have that as a very long name, but it, that is the best way to find it. If you actually look for TK Bay, it's easy to find me. Um, with that being said, hope you guys are doing well. I, uh, if you are in a situation where you're not able to be very mobile all the time, I hope your your devices and your smartphones are able to provide you some type of way of connecting to the world as we are able to spend a few hours together here, um, live streaming and talking Xperia's, talking Sony's, uh, Samsung's, OnePlus's, Oxygen, ColorOS, everything. Um, of course, thanks uh, for everybody joining me here, Greg, uh, Aditya, um, and of course, uh, everybody everybody doing here, stay safe to yourself as well. Uh, Abjean, uh, I want to say it correctly. So Abhijan, I hope I'm saying that right. And if I'm not, please let me know. Uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, hope you guys learned something new. Hope you guys got some stuff and enjoyed spending a couple hours with me. I'll see you guys next Saturday. Uh, and of course, look forward to some more content. The F2 Pro, hopefully next week for sure. 
Oh, and I think the Honor 30 Pro Plus, another 30 Pro Plus kind of thing coming up, uh, coming up in the near future. Uh, we'll be able to put some content here, maybe uh, answer some questions for you guys if you guys are interested in those devices. I'll see you guys next week. Be safe. Thank you very much for the support. Like and subscribe as usual. And make sure to check out uh, Juan Carlos if you're looking for uh, the LG Velvet support uh, since he's going to cover that device. And um, tomorrow night, tomorrow afternoon, 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time in 8 or 9 p.m. UK time uh, across the podcast uh, with Sam and uh, Matt Tyler. Uh, and if I'm not mistaken, they have a, a new guest this week as well. So thank you very much. I'll see you guys next time. Now, if I can only remember how to kind of end the thing correctly here. Bye-bye, <laughs> everybody.